Nick Cage drives angry. Homer has a brother, and Monkey Bone is the weirdest movie ever made. This week on Thirty Twenty Ten. Welcome to 302010, ladies and gentlemen, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back 30, 20, and 10 years into the pop culture past. We're talking movies, TV, music, video games, a little bit of news, anything that came out in a certain week, we're going to tell you about it across three decades, this week being February 19th, the 25th, and we're going to tell you what happened in 1991, 2001, and uh, 2011. And it is notable in every week for several reasons. I can't wait to get into this because we have some of the weirder movies I think we'll ever talk about in a single show. And hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Santista. What's this with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I have a different brain. I have a different heart. I got tiger blood, man. Oh <laughs> it's me, Sarah. I never disrobe before a gunfight. <laughs> man there's so much to talk about in this episode i have to give a shout out at the top to um, executive producer matthew schultz our executive producer at patreon.com slash laser time supporting this show and the whole laser time network we are all caught up with our uh, 302010 look at the video games of 302010. We mentioned them briefly here, but we go more in depth on them on patreon.com slash laser time with video game apocalypses, Michael Rapares and uh, Matt Matty Allen. 302010. Open up a window 30 and 20 and 10 years ago. We'll see where you are, who you were dating when your parents were divorcing. 1991 is where we begin, um, February 19th to the 25th, where President George H.W. Bush. The Dana Carvey president gives <laughs> gives Iraq a 24-hour deadline to withdraw from Kuwait or face ground war. After months of being called a wimp, um, George H.W. Bush, which I hate saying, sets, a, sets an ultimatum for an entire country. Yep. How did that work out? Uh, not yeah. good. Well, I mean, I guess like, no, no, a bunch of people needlessly died. Yeah, that, you, can, you can say that. But yeah, nowhere, nowhere yeah. near is the fiasco of the, the next Gulf War. No. And, no, that's, I mean, that's true clusterfuckery. This time, well, I mean, preview the ground war will start next week. Uh, and we'll talk about something called the highway of death. So, yeah, <laughs> good times. Good yeah. times were had by all. Yeah, not 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 little me, George H.W. Bush. And uh, he did have the reputation for being a wimp, despite being like <laughs> a World War II POW and like running the CIA. I don't think he was a fraidy cat. I think he was just a little hesitant to get the United States involved in a needless war. Which he should be. Yes. Everyone should be hesitant <laughs> to get involved with war. Like, that's why one of the criticisms I don't like about Jimmy Carter is mm -hmm. that he was like, you know, he's what a dub. A it's okay. He cared but more about the environment than winning wars. Small I think it's checks interesting. <laughs> I think it's interesting that HW is the Dana Carvey president. <laughs> Dana Carvey, one of the more diminutive SNL players, like in my mind, he just seems like a Small? short, like tiny oh, guy. Short. He did yeah. play Perot as well, so <laughs> yeah. But then W is the uh, Will Ferrell, one of the like bigger SNL oh, yeah. players. You see that, I that feel sketch like. with them sitting together? It is wow! It is night and day. Yeah, it, it's like it, it looks like the other way around. Like Dana Carvey should be your son. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I don't know. I just see their sizes as so different. I, I did not not even as research for the show. I was at the library because as Sarah's <gasps> request, and I bought a shitload of SNL best of DVDs because like we've been having a hard time finding these sketches on YouTube, and I got like two volumes of Dana Carvey. 
man, got drunk one night and just disappeared into that version of heaven. Just Dana Carvey <laughs> sketches for five and a half hours with outtakes. I cannot tell you how happy it made me. <laughs> that is a really good hot tip, actually. If you are looking to buy DVDs or albums of things that may be a little obscure, check print. your friends of the library bookshop, which is generally somewhere within your main library branch. People donate weird stuff. Yeah. Very weird stuff. And, and people there, I didn't find anything. I'm really good at knowing when something is mostly movies are out of print and worth money. And it's mm-hmm. very clear the library doesn't care that much because everything exactly. is blanket $2. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I bought King Ralph for $2 and it just happened to throw in Ghost Dead, Kirstie Alley and Tim Allen's For Richer, For Poorer, and oh. Pure Luck. <laughs> pure Luck. I got Pure Luck. Wow. And, and Ghost Dead. Did I say Ghost well, Dead? Well, all those, everyone acting in all those have aged wonderfully. So <laughs> I think you got a good deal. Every one of those movies alone, worthless. Together is four... I'll give that one and a half dollars. Two, all right. You, you've been a good library. <laughs> it's true. Like unlike many thrift stores, like the people who work in at the library, like are not picking out like all the best stuff and then putting the rest like out on the floor. Like they do not care. They're just there. You go. This episode is Here's brought to you by priceless your local edition of something. Uh-huh. Uh, but getting speaking of movies, getting into movies of 1991, February 19th to the 25th. Silence of the Lambs is justifiably number one. Ah, goodness. And I almost read this. Uh, The next movie is Clarice. It is Cadence with Charlie Sheen, Martin Sheen, and Lawrence Fishburne. I don't know anything about this movie. Uh, Well, we'll bring up Charlie Sheen again later by the end of the show. (laughs) But this is directed by Martin Sheen and also stars his son Ramon. So there's there's three Ooh. Sheens total. Um, Did he keep his Estevez? Is he part. Ramon Estevez? That would be great. Yeah, yeah. He's Ramon Estevez. Here's my son Ramon Estevez and his identical brother Charlie Sheen. What, what? Yep. And my other son Emilio, Emilio Estevez. It's so confusing. So Charlie Sheen plays a guy in the military who like gets in trouble for fighting, and so he gets sent to this like military prison where he's the only white guy, and Martin Sheen is the like commanding officer who's just a big bully and every and they're so mean but then like they learn to all the prisoners sort of learn to work together and accept each other and he stands up to mean martin sheen who's totally not his dad but he has father issues but his dad is right there but it's not it's really his dad because it's martin sheen and he's in a movie and eh, it's, it's fine I, it's, it, I know what you're saying but i i think i said this on another show maybe about minute work i like how much the sheen's estevez's are even when they're going through a major controversy, are still very supportive of one another. And whenever they write yeah. or direct something, they're all in the movie. And I always thought, yeah. thought that was kind of neat. If you could bring your whole family back to be in a fucking film, that just feels really... Mm-hmm. This is not the only time this happens. Anytime one of them writes or directs, most of the kids come back and will play a role. That's and, sweet. And that's, yeah, that's nice. I mean, the movie is fine. It's like Officer and a Gentleman, but not as good. I it's just, just sort of there, but it's just I hate when people who not are just they're not just related, but they look a ton alike. Yeah, and they <laughs> act like they're not. God, stop yeah. it! You Wilson brothers. Yeah, your best yeah. friends. I get it. Just saw Martin Sheen and uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. He's very unglamorous Ooh. role, um, and a terrible. His worst haircut, I think. I've <laughs> that's oh. that's the only highlight of that movie. <laughs> Martin Sheen. <Ooh. laughs> no, Hot take. I was kidding. I was. There's plenty more to say about that movie, but no one wants to hear it from my white ass. Especially when it'd be much better talking about scenes from a mall <laughs> with, <laughs> with Woody Allen and Bette Midler. Oh. Widest movie of the week? Perhaps. From Touchstone Pictures, you've seen her ruthless, outrageous, and all business. 
but you've never seen her like this. You, you look like my Aunt Minna in that dress. Married to Woody Allen. We've done our duty, you know, to civilization. We've procreated, and now we can die. Bette Midler. Not in 15 years. Have we ever made love unless the television was on? Woody Allen. I'm a guy who can do more than one thing at a time. No, you're not. Scenes from a mall. Rated R. Starts Friday at a theater near you. This isn't just like ball rats, but old, annoying people. (laughs) I would never say that about Bette Midler. She's the best. That's like the Yankee candle running out of sense. Bette Midler and also Woodrow. Is this one of the movies he doesn't write or direct? Correct. He's just acting. It's a Paul Mazursky joint, which uh, mostly I like Paul Mazursky joints. I did not care for this. At all. It really is just them bitching and moaning for an hour and a half while wandering around a mall. I, I know I've seen this, and but I remember just, like... I have no sympathy for them. Uh, <laughs> I, both, I want them both to shut up already. Uh, it sounds like the worst version of my dinner with Andre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm trapped in the mall and I can never leave. Oh, God. I had seen this oh, before God. and I go, going through the list and like, wow, that's one of the most inconsequential movies I can think that we'll have to talk about. There's, there's, no, there's no reason to see this. I'm there's so- no reason for this to exist. And that, that makes me sad. Hard pass. Yeah. Yep. Great 90s poster, though. Um, just I, all I can think about is 90s design as we move throughout these decades. And it, it's we have moved past 80s into this weird art deco inspired horseshit of the 90s that I kind mm. of love and hate at the same time. But yeah. that's not that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the movies and uh, our final movie, Sharon Stone. Um, oh, wait, the, we talked about her on the la- upcoming laser time erotic thrillers. Like I said, the erotic thriller Mount Rushmore. Adrian Lyon, Sharon Stone, Mickey Rourke, and Michael Douglas. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. Sharon Stone, Nathan Lane, Elizabeth Perkins, Kevin Bacon, and he said, she said. He sees her as demanding and emotionally deranged. She sees him as arrogant. Sex with me is very good. I'm sure. And cowardly. Don't you ever think about getting married? Yeah, I think about it don't know what I think about it. But that's what makes love interesting. I feel warmly towards you. He Ow. said. She said. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday, February. <laughs> what? We get a rare lady trailer voiceover. That's, yeah. wow. In a world. I love that. All right. I mean, it had both, didn't it? Yeah, but still, you never hear a lady. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's part of the gimmick of this movie, he said, yeah. she said, is that they're telling the same story kind of from two different perspectives, a male perspective and the female perspective, and it has two directors, Ken Quapis and Marissa Silver, who are a couple, Ooh. and I believe they're still together. Just nice. Ow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah this I... movie is not bad. It's, mm-hmm. it's very of its time. It's... Every one of those sexual conversations were happening within an office. That is probably the most dated thing about it. You should fuck me. <laughs> I have emails. Like, I please let me get back to work. Um, HR doesn't exist yet, but in 10 years, I'm telling. And... Well... <laughs> It's on HBO now. It's definitely yeah. one of those movies that Sam told me he remembered seeing a bunch like on HBO during the 90s, which makes mm-hmm. perfect sense because it's not rated R, right? Like yeah, it's pro- it was probably on a ton like in, during yeah, If you school. hate cartoons and you're Sam and it's on during the yeah. day on HBO, that's what he was doing. You, you open up your briefcase, <laughs> yes, get out open your briefcase. Oh, turn are... on the HBO. <laughs> Heaven forfend. I missed the rerun of Wild Wild West. I must tune into <laughs> He Said, She Said. <laughs> There's just like a lot here, of course, about like, well, women be doing this and men be doing this. Mm-hmm. How can they ever be together? And then Sharon Stone's like, oh, I'm very sexual. And it's like, okay. Yeah. 
And then Nathan Lane is doing his best George Costanza. <laughs> <laughs> that I would pay to see. Fuck. I, I, yeah, I did not get to check this out. But I really love Elizabeth Perkins so much. Like yeah. she's just really solid and really good at every. Like I just wish she was kind of more of a household name because she's just always great. Where does your love she's for her really... come from? Just out of curiosity. Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street remake. <laughs> that was wow. the first time that I like really saw her, and I was like, oh, she's so like pretty, and she's just such a good actress. I like I... I, every time she pops up and stuff, I'm like. She's just a good workhorse actress, you know? I didn't realize what you're saying about her until uh, she played this pseudo-villain on Weeds. And Weeds is a terrible show. Oh, she's fantastic. And she's really fun on it. She's the best part of Weeds, for sure. Um, But yeah, from the director of uh, Follow That Bird, he said, but not the C, she said portion. Well, yeah, Ken Kwop has also directed like a ton of The Office. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess uh, his wife went into more writing. So, been- yeah, I mean, he he's kept working a lot and it's like, OK, it's a cute idea. And you see different scenes where, you know, in one scene, the girl hitting on Kevin Bacon is like, oh, you know, oh, I'm really fancy. Let's go to a museum sometime. <laughs> and like in her recollection, it's like, hey, let's go roller skating. My favorite scene was when they go to her family's dinner. And her family's like super duper like liberal. And they're like, what form of birth control are you using? And it's just like, <laughs> it's like the idea is that they're two like news writers. And then they become like pundits where they like face off on like controversial issues. Mm. And he's conservative and she's more liberal. So it's kind of like the undercurrent of it all. I don't know. It's yeah. cute. Yeah, it's fine. A, a neat hook. It just I can't imagine. Well, I I, don't, I should have watched it. Let's let's just go to the thing I did watch, which was uh, TV, nineteen ninety one. Uh, the Simpsons. Oh, brother, where art thou? Not not to be confused with a movie we just talked about, but one of its best episodes ever, I think. And hmm. I love it. And it also is something most TV shows would do in like their ninth season when they're struggling. We're going to introduce a long lost brother, but it is the <laughs> second season of The Simpsons, which is on a massive ascent in the highest rated thing. Well, I think it was the highest rated thing in my world. I think it wasn't really approaching like TGIF, but for Fox, like they were seemingly unstoppable. This is bringing in droves of people to their network. The Simpsons was on fire and their merchandise was moving real fast. Um, if you mm-hmm. listen to 30, 2010 games, there are many Simpsons games coming out during this period. They're fi- like after one season they're they've had like eight games greenlit, which is very strange. Jeez. And they're all terrible because they don't have anything to go off of because it's like the e- success of three episodes and whatever's important in those three episodes makes it into the game. But anyway, this is the debut of Herb, Unky Herb, Danny, <gasps> Danny DeVito voicing uh, Homer's long lost brother. They reconnect and look exactly the same, share a lot of similarities, except for uh, Herb Powell, Homer's brother, is a uh, car impresario, automobile. Uh, is there a better way to say that? Owner of an automobile company, and he decides to team up with Homer to create the best vehicle of all time. That is the, my favorite character to really debut here. Before they make a machine that can understand babies, they team up together to create an all-new automobile called the Homer. Tonight, we are going to witness... Automotive history. All my life, I have searched for a car that feels a certain way. Powerful like a gorilla, yet soft and yielding like a Nerf ball. Now at last, I have found it. Ladies and gentlemen, presenting the car designed for the average man, the Homer. 
Any questions? What does this monstrosity cost? Jerry, what's the sticker price? $82,000! The car for the everyman. 1991, $82,000. Good lord. But it's worth it. The horn honks lock a garacha. It's got two bubble domes, including a separate one for your children. A high spoiler. It's seafoam green. It's gorgeous. God, I want the Homer. I own two versions of the Homer. I love this car so much. Um, Hot Wheels made a version. and I forget what the other one is. Simpsons, ladies and gentlemen. It kind of looked like the Jetsons car, but horrible. Yes, because it has a spare tire on the back, uh, like an old (laughs) Cadillac. Yeah, yeah, horrible, terrible wind resistance. And I don't know, kind of a silly episode, but like, it's weird. Homer still has a brother that is played by Danny DeVito, who has been back, I think, three times in 30 years, once a decade. And I was at a... I was at a, I'll never forget. I was at a Q&A with, uh, uh, for broadcast news with James L. Brooks and hosted by Tanny DeVito taking que- questions after broadcast news. And they both get one about The Simpsons. And they're like, what? And they both, oh, right. We're both a huge part of The Simpsons. He's in it and I created it. They both forgot. And, they, and at, the, <laughs> at the end, they were signing stuff and they were signing Simpsons stuff. But like they had both, it like slipped their mind. They were part of The Simpsons uh, world. Where are the taxi stands? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Look, that was a full house for broadcast news, which was a last minute replacement for Spanglish. They couldn't get the movie. So they had to put on what? broadcast. I know. It doesn't make any sense at all. Wow. What, what? luck. I didn't have to watch Spanglish. And I, go- <laughs> I mean,. I love Spanglish, but come on. Yeah, Diana, who's been to the Castro Theater, when the, the, the guests are up on stage, there's nowhere for them to run. There's no green room or back door. They have to walk right <laughs> past you, so you can just slap them high five. Um, and Danny DeVito is adorable in person. Holy shit. Got into a limo, <laughs> and it was like, like, I didn't think people still made limos. You're so great. Anyway, because also awesome. this week, if I can blather on about things people don't care about, um, <clears throat> goodbye to Disney's Adventures of Gummy Bears. This is the one with the theme song, right? Dashing, daring, courageous, and caring. Yeah, Disney's first, it's not their first shot at television, but it is their best attempt at television. They've had the wuzzles and the fluffy dogs and forgettable, yes, forgettable things like that to air on Saturday morning. And and in many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, but the sixth season debuted syndicated because they had enough episodes to bring it in with DuckTales. So... I already like gummy bears. It was just like, remember, do you even remember watching Saturday morning cartoons? And you have to like pick, like, do I watch Pee Wee or gummy bears? I don't know what to do this week. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank God. I've seen this one. I can flip over. And I, gummy bears was my second, my alternate. But when it was on it, this season, it's on every day and helping usher in new eras of uh, the Disney afternoon, Disney television, rescue Rangers, soon to be Darkwing duck tailspin. What I just want to point out is notable. It is not the last episode to air. That would have aired a couple of weeks ago. Unlike, I think, everything up until, um, everything through the first, like, Bonkers, Darkwing Duck, this has an ending. Gummy Bears has an ending. Yeah. Most other animated shows just keep on going. They don't want kids to know that it's over. So, it, not to bore you, but <laughs> they forecast the great gummies are coming back, but a giant villain comes back and literally destroys their home. And uh, it's it's sad. It is very sad. And you don't Jesus. actually get to see anybody come back, but they get to say, like, we're going to be reunited with our own and ancient kind. Hooray. And that's the end. And and it, it, it so they all go to Valhalla. What kinda, the fuck? Kind of. No, actually, it's Haribo. How do you? Oh. <laughs> Haribo. Um, yeah, but just that it, it has an ending. A most animated shows don't want you to know they've ended if they're in syndication, and B like they're usually canceled 
a year into the pre the previous season that they're working on. They don't have time to like make an ending. We did a show about animated endings that mattered because it's just unless it's a primetime TV show, it, it almost you never get an ending for shows. But it, it, nowadays it's a little more popular. I'm sure you heard the new DuckTales is ending, but it's getting a finale, whereas like the old one never did. It, mm. But that's okay. And I couldn't find the next ah I this it's Alec Baldwin's second hosting duties from Saturday Night Live with musical guest wow. Whitney Houston. Holy shit. Ooh, wow. Damn. Yeah. And, yeah. and so well, she's just coming off the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Yeah. So she's on fire. And and Alec Baldwin, I, I think in some some respects your second hosting gig is more important than your first. That means mm-hmm. your his hosting gig from a year earlier went well enough that he's going to get invited back pretty much every year. Hit the five well, timers club real fast. Like any sophomore thing, you have to prove yourself now. You have to prove that it wasn't a fluke the first time, that you were good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and Alec Baldwin's one of those people, If when you read about SNL, him and Tom Hanks, like, no, no, I'll, I'll hang out all night and help write sketches. Like, I'll, I'll work through these characters. Most people don't do that. And he was always really interested. It's why he, the Lorne Michaels gang, Tina Fey, they rely on Alec Baldwin because they know he's mm-hmm. good at this. And my favorite sketch I couldn't find online. It's Mike Myers hosting Lank Thompson's School for Handsome Men. We'll teach you, <laughs> we'll teach you how to be handsome. To me, it like solidified, solidified what I really liked about Alec Baldwin. I hate him in straight roles. He would be so good in like a naked gun kind of role. Well, um, do you count hmm. Glenn Gary as a straight role? Yes, but that's like a yeah. like two minute walk on where he's playing yeah. a ridiculous character who probably can't. You don't want to know any more about him. Yeah, it's almost it's too much. Yeah, yeah, I, I love him as comedic characters or Same. parodies of straight characters and SNL used mm-hmm. him to great aplomb. Uh, there's a two night TV movie. Is, am I reading this correctly? And the sea will tell starring uh, Rachel Ward, James Brolin, Richard Crenna and Deidre Hall. Ooh. This sounds like this story is ripe for someone to go back to and do more true crime stuff about it. Promo, but I'll go into it a little bit more. She loved him. <laughs> Maybe too much. You can't go for murder without bodies. Then find the bodies. Now, she has two choices. If you don't take the stand on your own behalf, you're going to prison. Let him confront the death penalty. What happened on that island? Or face it herself. Tell me. And the sea will tell. Sunday. Wow, I, lo- I love that they it's scored from a Sega's Outrun. That, that sounds really great. <laughs> <laughs> so this is based on a book by Vincent Bugliosi, who was a attorney who wrote Helter Skelter about the Manson family. And this is about one of his clients. The backstory on it is there was this like richy fancy couple who were like sailing around the world and they decide to sail to this island like a thousand miles south of Hawaii. And they're just going to live there and they bought plenty of supplies and everything's cool. And they get there and there's some like sketchy ex-drug runner there who's hiding from the law. And they're like, well, we can share this island. That's cool. And then like, the sketchy drug runner and his girlfriend, bad things start happening. And he's like, I could grow weed here and I'm going to steal your stuff. And then like the rich people vanish and the sketchy guy shows up with their boat. <laughs> Ooh, I'm into oh, that. Dear. Mm. Like, wow, this has everything. We got some Lord of the Flies going. We got all kinds of fun stuff. Everything ends in murder. Yeah. yeah. 
I don't know. Yeah. Looking at the locations, I might murder someone to live there for a while. That's. I mean, trouble in paradise, right? Palatial island with with crystal clear blue. Oh, just living on the set of uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. That that is (laughs) one of my favorite experiences of 2021 right now. Has been watching that. Yes, I just I'm plugging a bunch of new movies in 302010 that normally doesn't happen. I apologize, everyone. But you think this um, this. It was a two-night movie event, so like we're talking like four yeah. hours of raw, hot entertainment. Yeah. yeah. When somebody well, loves somebody too much. <laughs> Once again, it's time for the Grammys, the 33rd Annual Grammy Awards. Sarah, please tell me you're here to help us out, because especially with what Quincy Jones probably ends up winning. Album of the Year, did you say you had a clarification on that? Yes, I've I done do. this before, so... but it doesn't make sense to me. Okay. Thank you, Zach Adams from the LTC. <laughs> Schooling us... On the difference between song of the year, record of the year, and album. So basically, song of the year only goes to the songwriter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Record of the year is for a track, usually an official single, and goes to the performers, songwriter, unless it's a cover, and production staff, like arranger and well, I said engineer. That, but keep going. Album is like record, but for an entire multi-track project taken as a whole. I still don't get okay. it, y'all. I, what, you, what, you, what you don't <laughs> no, get is because okay. you haven't bought a single it. in forever. If you can imagine a single it. as a single yeah. record. Okay. Yeah. So al- album is for like a whole album, like an uh, LP. Oh, the okay. whole thing. Like how we were okay. talking beforehand, all of us, that Billy Joel's River of Dreams was perfect and that no one should make any more music. That's an album. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. exactly what we were talking about. Now I get it. I understand. So record of the year goes to Another Day in Paradise by Phil Collins. Album of the year goes to Quincy Jones back on the block. And then song of the year is from A Distance by Bette Midler. And I think here's where things get interesting because uh, we this is the first Grammys since the Millie Vanilli fiasco. Ooh. So where they had to return their best new artist Grammy. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure on them to give it to someone who does not suck. Right. And it goes to Mariah Carey. So good job. Good job. Good mm-hmm. job. Beating Lisa Stansfield, Black Crows, uh, Kentucky Headhunters, and Wilson Phillips. Wow, Kentucky so, Headhunters. Yeah, good competition there. But yeah, Mariah Carey ended up being the lasting act out of those. So yay. Yay. Yeah. I, I like looking at some of the weird ones. And for children's, it is uh, the soundtrack for Little Mermaid. Ah. Yeah. Ah, so nice. So that's fun. <laughs> I like that. I love that soundtrack. Yeah. It's very Keisty Girls. Got uh, yeah, love my aerials. Um, for real, I know we talked about that already, but like I was, I was so on board with Little Mermaid. My, and my I couldn't ask for the soundtrack, but my little sister could, and we rode around in the car all day listening to all that well, music. Well, I know I've said this before, but mm-hmm. Le Poissant was my first ballet recital wow, song. Wow, it don't hurt because <laughs> you're dead. It's, it's, we had little <laughs> tiny cardboard like chef's knives that we were pretending that we were. <laughs> If anybody has video, with. it was very weird. If anybody has video footage of that or Triumph the Insult Comic Dog doing that in karaoke, because he really should. <laughs> <laughs> no games to speak of, uh, but again, we dig way more in depth for patreon.com slash laser time, where I can tell you about a game I played in the research for that. I don't know what Japanese company thought two years after the Berlin Wall fell like, let's make a puzzle game out of the Berlin Wall. Uh, that'll be fun. <laughs> I'll be a, uh, bubble bobble, but set on the Berlin Wall. The backgrounds will be German celebrating. It's so weird. What? Uh, yeah, it's a very strange game, but I'm glad I got to play it uh, for 302010 Games, patreon.com slash laser time. Music of 1991. Wow. A dinosaur junior this early with Green Mind. Ink by The Fix. 
Road Apples by the Tragically Hip, and the self-titled debut of Young Black Young Black Teenagers and P-Owned by the Butthole Surfers. I'm a surfer! Love the Butthole Surfers for the name alone. And All the Man That I Need by Whitney Houston is number one, so we're going to close out with that. Mm. Sing along if you got the pipes. But stay right there. There's so much more to talk about in 2001. Coming in with Stutter by Joe, featuring Mystical. It's number one this week. Ah, I haven't heard from my No Limit Soldiers in some time, so that's refreshing. Uh, wow, this <laughs> song, I was like, I don't know what this is. Oh, I definitely know what this is. Holy shit. Who can forget that sample from what? I forget. Tell us in the comments. Welcome to 2001, February 19th to 25th. New releases in music, February 19th to 25th. End is Forever by the Ataris. I do believe I had this album, and I can't believe they got away with calling themselves that. Girls Can Tell by Spoon. Phantom Moon by Duncan Sheik. The Professional 2 by DJ Clue. And My World, My Way by Silk the Shocker. More No Limit Soldiers! Yes! Um, we, uh, you know, I, I guess this, this might fit in a little with news and slightly with TV. It's something... We missed last week, but has a TV element a little a little later on. This was clued to me by Matt. Matt Allen of Video Game Apocalypse. Get a sneak peek at Disney's newest theme park. Disney's California Adventure. Right next to Disneyland in California. Right next door to, uh, to Disneyland. Disneyland. Located right next door to Disneyland in California. Those, those are megastars Colin Mockery and Richard Kind telling us that um, <laughs> Disney's California Adventureland is open. And they're doing so... In a one-hour primetime block on, on ABC, Oy. which I still don't understand how that was ever legal. Because they were always kind of fun to watch. Because who can go to a theme park? Especially if you're living across the country. Um, Disney's California Adventure. Uh, Di, you, have you been there? I have never been to California Adventure. Mm. As far as I'm concerned, that is parking lot land. And I will have it no other way. That's where the parking lot used to be. Except yes. for like the one tiny farm that had the holdout family for a million years that was like, we lost our land because we were interned <laughs> during World War II and you'll never get this land from us, Disney. And they're like, how about $800 jillion? Yeah. Like, okay. all, all you had to do was wait a couple <laughs> years and Disney would pony up. Oh my goodness. But this is the silliest. And here's what I've decided to call it. The most super villainy theme park that has ever existed. Disney noticed like, well, there's a lot of competition for tourism. People can come to Disneyland, but they also want to go to Napa or San Francisco or Hollywood proper or Yosemite. What if we built a whole park that is just California adventure? You can see all of California for one price with the ticket to Disneyland included. And they built over their, their park, this hilarious California version of Epcot to prevent people. (laughs) I'm like laughing, but they're basically doing that with the earth, with the world showcase at Epcot. And I love it. Well, the world showcase is my favorite thing. That makes a ton of sense because like, I'm probably never going to be in my life. Oh, do I go to Kathmandu this year or, uh, or Mexico (laughs) or Japan? But this is like, 
you, you're making facsimiles of things one hour away or yes. sometimes less. And it was so adorable, but boring and pathetic at the same time. <laughs> like, here's Napa. What is it? It's a fake vineyard where you can drink wine made on site. Here's a tortilla chip factory and a sponsored bakery that is an attraction. And by that, we mean they really cook bread and you can look at fucking tortilla chips being made like <laughs> the middle of a Mr. Rogers episode with a video hosted by Rosie O'Donnell and Colin Mockery. This place was hilariously bad. And, and I, I miss certain elements of it because I've been to the park when it was in transition. Now it's like the Pixar park, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the, the Cars Land is, I was there when they were building that. So they were paving over like all this representative shit of California just um, like California does. Just like California does. Yay. Uh, well, yeah, take out that vineyard and put in a strip mall. Yeah, I'm not going to wait. I'm not waiting for this to catch on fire. We're we're going to pave over it right now for a little mermaid yeah. ride. I I love so much. I remember the San Francisco Chronicle front page headline. Michael Michael, do you remember it cuz Michael posted that in our conversation? Yeah, it was like Disney California Adventure makes all travel in state superfluous. Mhm. That that was actually their goal. So people would not have to decide where to spend their travel budget. Mm -hmm. Don't go to San Francisco. We built a tiny Golden Gate Bridge right next to the Duffy store (laughs) in this fake lake. And it was it was so embarrassing. But I, I still I love it because it is the drunkest I've ever been in a Disney park. It is. Al- there is no alcohol available in Disneyland unless you get a- You still haven't done food and wine with me, sir. Uh, let's do it this year, baby. Um, yeah, get those vaccines. Get blackout drunk at Epcot. Hey, yo. It was, it was, if you've never heard my story of climbing on shit I'm not supposed to at Disneyland, it was mostly because of California Adventure. I'm on these kids' attractions and they can't tell me not to have a good time. Just someone in like a collared shirt with a Mickey pin comes out, sir. Wouldn't you be happier down here? I'm like, you're right. <laughs> uh, but never would kick me out. It was great. And yeah. and and Matt, I think, is going to join um, us for a bonus time this week. Patreon.com slash time. He worked at the park uh, while it was being built. Big Disney fan. And to talk about what it was, what it was before it became the Pixar pier, essentially. That's an attraction mm-hmm. there. Is pretty hilarious. Because, like, it's... For, at the time, I'm like, well, that's a dumb idea. And now as I'm older, I'm like, that's a genuinely evil idea. <laughs> you are destroying <laughs> the entire state. You you wanted to destroy tourism in the entire state and take it all for yourself. And yeah. it was stupid. But I'll take, I will take that over their alternative plan that was scrapped a little bit before this, which was the Disney Park in Virginia that would be U.S. history based. Yes, the Williamsburg location. Yeah, and it was going to be like, we're right here on a Civil War battleground. Wasn't that fun times? Everyone did something great then. And it's like, what the fuck? If you've ever been there, like, yes, get a picture in a stockade. You're here without a trial. It's (laughs) great times for Americans. Oh, look, here comes Robert E. Lee. Go hug him, kids. (laughs) Like all I can think of is like a big Invader Zim character. <laughs> but yeah, Soren, like Soren over California is my only good memory of the California aspect of that park. There was a really big uh, Brother Bear attraction, if you can remember that movie, and no. a, a decent log flumey ride. And if you, they had a great hotel built in there. I never stayed there, but one of my friends did. And like being able to take a shit like in between rides at Disneyland in a hotel is just a beautiful. Thing. I wish for everybody. Yeah. Is that the Absolute Grand Californian? Luxury. The Grand Californian. 
I've mm. heard that's like a great event space that is like a legitimately nice hotel that's well designed and very pretty and has a great event space and they have like antique shows there or whatever. My mom goes sometimes. It is yeah. oh, it's so bizarre. So bizarre. Um, so dumb. I know. I know. Uh, but California Adventureland, happy birthday. Movies of 2001, February 19th to the 25th. Hannibal is still number one. That is yeah. interesting. We have, I don't want to call it the first movie. Silence of the Lambs is number one a decade earlier and a decade later. Yeah. The first sequel is number one at the box office, too. I would think yeah. that one of the movies we were going to talk about would have taken that, honestly, considering the star powers associated with it. But. Oh, goodness, no. Nope, no. Vatel with Gerard Depardieu and Uma Thurman and Tim Roth? Uh, no, it? it's not that one. That is a movie I remember seeing all the ads for it and being like, my God, that looks so gorgeous. And every review was like, it's costume drama without the drama. Like, the oh. sets and the costumes, and it's like at Versailles and the court of Louis the Sixteenth, and it's so gorgeous, but... The story is kind of nothing, and mm. I'm bored, but okay, that's fine. They can't all be winners. I, uh, bored is how I remember trying to watch the next one before Night Falls with Javier Bardem and uh, Johnny Depp. Yeah. Um, um, that's a lot more interesting to me because mm. it's, you know, a biography of Cuban writer Reynaldo Arenas mm. and his whole issue about um, being gay in cuba in like the 70s and he's also writing things that the government's not crazy about and so like he goes to prison where they just put a bunch of gay people and say hey you're probably like child predators or something and then like he is finally gets out and he gets to go to america but you know uh the 80s weren't a great time to be gay in america either and then he eventually passed away from AIDS. Yep, can't but, put an embargo uh, on that Mm-mm. yeah but i feel like this it's an early role where people are like Javier Bardem, holy mm-hmm. shit, who is this guy? He looks like a young Marv Ruffalo on the poster. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I got this physical DVD from my local library, oh, um, yeah. but, and the, like, cover picture, it's, like, mm. barely recognizable. I was like, oh, I can't wait to watch this. And instead, I've spent all my time watching the next two completely deranged films. <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't get to before Night Falls. Instead, yeah. I watched these other two things. <laughs> well, I mean, it's directed by Julian Schnabel, who was is also a painter. And so his, his films are always like, well, there's not a lot going on sometimes. I mean, like Diving Bell and the Butterfly, literally nothing is going on. But they always look so gorgeous. Like you just, you end up just transfixed anyway. You just, even like, I don't know what's happening or if anything's happening, but I kind of don't care. It's just, I'm vibing. Interesting guy. I always liked his, his stuff. Anyway. Oh, I cannot wait. Let's to, talk oh. about uh, this movie. I'm pretty sure I had a stroke. <laughs> and I imagined. And then I went back and watched. And oh, no. No, it exists. Yeah. I, I felt I felt like um, I felt like I hit my head and tried to imagine Neverending Story 2. And the, the, uh, Chris Catan, Giancarlo Esposito, Rose McGowan. Bridget Fonda, Brendan Fraser, and she's a really insane... Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg, a silent Bob Odenkirk, Megan Mullally. No, he has speaking. Oh, does he? I thought he just chases people around the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, The voice of John Turturro. The voice of John Turturro, which is my favorite thing about the movie, to be honest. (laughs) Fucking monkey bone. From the director of The Nightmare Before Christmas, (laughs) Stu Miley was dropped into a whole new world. Hello? Am I dead? Hiya, boss. Now, he has... 24 hours to find a way out, or he'll lose everything. The woman I love is living with a little monkey that looks like me. 
What a lucky girl. Brendan Fraser, Bridget Fonda, Chris Kattan, Monkey Bone. Be right back after I choke my monkey! PG-13. This movie is so fucking... It doesn't... Even your memories of it will not do justice to how insane this movie is. No. Y'all, hmm. I love this movie. How, it's hard Why? to love, Sarah. I'm confused. It the imagery like the the whole part when he's in like the coma Dark times, town. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could not get enough of that. Like I loved it so much. It made me feel so weird, but like in a good way. I don't know. I really liked this movie. It was the kind of chaos that did not make me feel bad. It kind of made me feel good and it kind and it was really beautiful. Like so much of the stuff that's happening in Coma World is so beautiful. Right. The creatures that are there are so intricate and so cool looking and it's like there are so many times while watching that that I wanted to like pause and like just fully take in like what this, this costume this fucking, is this or fucking what cow is the set piece. Because they're, yeah. they're making live action people to look like claymation characters. Yes. It's like it, hard to like, look away from. There's some Beetlejuice in there and there's some it wants to be Beetlejuice desperately. <laughs> uh, it, and it made me feel like so, it made me feel weird, but like in a really good way, like the same way I feel when I look at art by like Odd Nerdrum, mm-hmm. who's like this <laughs> artist that I really love, who does like a lot of kind of surreal stuff or like Matthew Barney. He's so, he's so like lucky that's... to have like a name that sounds like a genre of art in and of itself. Right. I'm really into Art Nerdrum. Uh, Odd Nerdrum. Oh, look uh, him up. I love his work so much. But like, and Matthew Barney too. Stuff that's like, it, it brings me to the edge of feeling uncomfortable because it is so weird, but truly, like, I I don't know. Something about it, I, I just, re- it really appealed to me. Like, I, lo- I really it, liked it a lot. It, I okay, was here. So I defy you then to explain it to everybody. <laughs> yeah, so, I... so there's this cartoonist played by Brendan Fraser who creates this, and he's like a newspaper cartoonist, right? Like that's yes, but they he, don't really he's, get super into that part. But of he's it, he but just like, sold his pilot for the show to Comedy Central and about to become right. a multimedia sensation. Oh yeah, because Dave Foley's in it as well. Bleach Blonde um, Dave Foley, a blast from the past reunion with him and yeah. Ben <laughs> Yes, yeah. So he just sold his whole thing for a cartoon show, but basically the idea is that it's a kind of cheeky play on this little monkey that kind of represents his puberty that pops up and is like kind of his id in a way that like, you know, makes him do bad things. He just, he sells that and he's making a lot of money but really he's just kind of like a shy like you know guy but he's really loves his girlfriend so on the eve of selling that he gets into a car accident and then is in a coma and is in while in the coma is in this like sort of dream world where he's kind of floating around and encountering nightmares and it's this whole like fantasy world that he kind of is in while he's in this coma I think that's one of my problems with the movie because it can't seem like are we in a dream world or are we in limbo because you have the He's rules of both. He's between life and death. Yeah, He's but they, between life there are death. dream masters in there. And, yes, and, and they because view like, dreams. that's kind of what's happening when you're in between life and death. And so okay. he gets this <laughs> ticket. He wants to get out desperately because he wants to propose to his girlfriend, Bridget Fonda, who is just luminous. She's doing a great job. I would say she's weirdly movie. dressed like the Joker in a bunch of the scenes. <laughs> I'm into it. Um, and so he, he gets a ticket out of there, back into the world again to come out of the coma. But while he's in this like dream coma world, because he's got monkey bone that represents his id in a big way. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. is making mischief while he's in there and like trying to subvert him at every turn. And at the very last minute, Monkey Bone, played by this, I don't know, is it animatronic or like, no? It's it's stop motion. Stop, stop motion. motion. Yeah. That's right. That's it's right. a Henry Selick's film after James and the Giant Peach and Nightmare mm -hmm. Before Christmas. It's the, the the third thing he directed. So he steals the ticket out of there, and so he gets booted out of the dream coma world by Whoopi Goldberg and goes back into Brendan Fraser's body. But like, is you, you Monkey Bone? So you, basically, you it's overlooked Brendan Fraser. You, you overlooked the his... sad Kabuki Thomas Hayden Church who was uncredited again. Just another at dollop of weirdness in this fucking movie. Yes. Oh, it's all weird. Also, Rose McGowan yeah. is like a kitty cat waitress. Love that. So he gets booted into the body and then he's this, it's Brendan Fraser and he's like, With a oh patch. yeah, it's me. But he's pure it. He's so monkey he's bone. acting out. He's monkey bone. He's mm -hmm. just acting out all of his worst impulses. And this is like half of the movie. Yes, we're like it's at the half we're only at halfway point. Okay. So then Bridget here's Pongo number one problem I have with this. Okay. Like, you crammed like five movies into this one movie. Like if mm -hmm. you just did this right here, or if you just did Coma World, okay. Yeah, it's based on a, a cool. like then, a full comic then, called Darktown that they condense into a single film. Yeah, no, if you just did Coma World, like that's cool because it's like Coco or something. Okay, awesome. If you just did like some body swapping stuff and that was most of your movie, okay, fine, body swapping stuff. But no. then they don't stop. I like the chaos of it. So the, the next part of the movie is so Bridget Fonda works for like she's a scientist who works for a sleep institute and one of the things that I wow. think they're developing there is a nightmare <laughs> powder right. or a nightmare like liquid basically that like if yeah. you take it it makes it induces nightmares and so Monkey Bone gets it in his head to put that liquid in the Monkey Bone licensed toy that farts on command so that it sprays <laughs> in the face of people and induces instant nightmares because he's an agent of chaos and so that's what he's going to do. Meanwhile, Bridget Fonda's like, I know this is not my husband. Like, something is going on here. Or my fiancé, something's very weird here. Also, meanwhile actual Brendan Fraser is in coma world still trying to get out so he charms Whoopi Goldberg into giving him another ticket whose to head get explodes out of, numerous times because she plays death <laughs> and I love it I love her as death so she gives him a ticket out of there but she's like I gotta put you in another different body I'll find the best one I can and it's Chris Kattan's body he is a gymnast who is about to have his organs harvested by Better Bob Call Odenkirk. Saul but <laughs> At the last minute, he wakes up and it's actual Brendan Fraser, but in Chris Kattan's body, but his body's like all like fucked up because he's got like a broken neck because he like died doing gymnastics and he's got like a huge incision because his organs are falling out. So it's trying to get to Bridget Fonda and be like, it's me, it's me, it's really me. The other guy is Monkey Bone. And she believes him, y'all. With the help of their dog. After almost Wonder Woman fucking Monkey Bone in a different body. It's so sweet because she like can see through it all and she's like I know that is the guy I love and our dog agrees so I got this then <laughs> could so, you could you put in like four things that aren't true and will quiz the audience what do you think's actually in this movie is Stephen yeah. King in this movie he almost almost <laughs> he was supposed to be but, but they had to get a stand-in 
watched this whole movie with like a huge grin on my face. And so and Sarah, Sarah like, well, does not get high, by the way. That's Oh, no, 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 this, I don't. This is insane. Uh, keep going. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So then I am all of a sudden, I can't remember the exact like method that they get back into coma land where basically Brendan Fraser, the guy who created Monkey Bone, the like real guy that we love that Bridget Fonda loves, <laughs> convinces death to just put me back in my body. Let's just fucking do this and so she does he gets put back in his body happily ever after okay okay there's a lot of things i loved it that's just the plot i I mean for for me i I was shocked like this is the some of the movie is like giving me who framed roger rabbit vibes in a really good way and i I didn't Uh i didn't know henry selick worked on who framed roger rabbit so he has he has a pedigree there and and that sort of goes away very quickly but it's also um with uh leica movies now like a um Kubo and the Two Strings and Coraline, they really shy away. CG is meant to remove stuff, not add stuff. So there's a lot of really ugly scenes in this movie of like beautiful 2D environments and stop motion. Monkey Bone is flawless moving around. It's really neat to look at Mm -hmm. because it's it's a little harder than what they were doing on Roger Rabbit because for him to disappear behind small things like bar handlebars and stuff, Mm -hmm. it's not animated. This is a I don't know how they did some of this stuff. I still don't. But uh, the CG elements are like wildly ugly and rudimentary when they add them in. And you can see why Laika doesn't do that anymore. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak to like the practical ways that this, how how it happened, but I can say that I can see a lot of art that influenced this and and Mm -hmm. where they drew stuff from. And I really, really appreciate it and like it a lot. I I also have to say, I just remembered that the way that they get back to the dream world in order order to get back into their real body is that they both have to die. So Chris Kattan and Brendan (laughs) Fraser with monkey bone inside of him, they both get killed by a police officer. Hey! And then they go back into like limbo world and then death in her infinite wisdom as Whoopi Goldberg. This is the most important part. I almost forgot it. Death in her (laughs) infinite wisdom is like, yes, I will let you go back to life, but I'm going to smush you two together with my giant robot hands so that monkey bone (laughs) always lives inside of you, Brendan Fraser, because he is a major part of you. And that is true. The beginning of the movie, like, Brendan Fraser is this, like, very quiet, like, timid, like, shy guy. He's building up the courage to propose to his beautiful girlfriend. And then on the opposite end, you've got Monkey Bone, which is pure id. you got to put them together. <laughs> These are, like, the both sides of your life, you man. So... This is, like, your personality. I, I, I like this because I feel like the internet has been snarky and mean to this movie for a long time. And the worst thing I can say about it is, like, I think there's a great kids movie in here. And I think there's a great adult movie in here. And at some point... Mm. I think a very bad compromise was made and uh, they no, had to make... I think it's a perfect... It's giving me flavors of Babe Pig in the City. It's giving me flavors oh. of The Cell, which also The Cell was Whoa. very influenced by the, the art fuck? of Odd Nerdrum as well. You can see how These bad are... it could it could have been if you watched Cool World. It is still better than Cool World and nobody oh, fucks an animated yeah. character. That is true. It is definitely better than Cool World. But I mean... What it has in common with Cool World is it is so garish. Yes. The colors are aggressive. And sometimes that's like neat because it's Mm. Coma World. Okay. And then there's sometimes it just goes too far for me, man. Mm. Where it's like, this is just too much. What are you trying to say with this? Why? Why are you going this far? There's a massive amount of incoherence involved in this entire story and production. Sarah, I still mm. think it's fascinating to I look at. I don't get that. I, I, just I think, think that's so 
funny. The, the most it. coherent it, it. it gets is when they leave the dream world, and then it becomes like that part. I think is like that. That would hold up in any movie. The chase no. of the two dead of the different bodies. The incoherence is the point, though, because the idea of like what happens when people are, are in comas, what happens in the afterlife, yeah. complete and total mystery This to so many of us. like What so happens when you're who... in a coma? I know now Pluto Nash lighting. That is what happens. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'd rather have coma world. Honestly. I'm not. Sarah, I, I was here day one. I own this movie on standard definition DVD. I've watched it a billion times. There's something unsettling I find about the movie. But if I think yes, if I if I discovered that's it, kind of the point to watch it every ten years, like like what the fuck is this? There is nothing else like this. This is a massive a bomb on a massive scale. A by the masterpiece. way, masterpiece. It, it is a that's that is not what I said. Is a that is masterpiece. Not what I said at all. It is a hundred million dollar <laughs> movie that made less than ten million dollars, but it looks like a hundred yeah. million dollar movie. It is oh, insane to look upon. It it needs a revival. It needs like a cult following. I hope I think, other I think people it needs like a, it. I hope I'm not the only one. No, no. I, I, I think it. I would prefer a Zack Snyder <laughs> a cut for on HBO Max. I want to know what this movie was supposed to be because this is coming off mm. of a dude who who worked like only in the PG medium. But you know, Henry Selleck has some darker stuff he'd want to talk about. This movie is evidence of that. The movie starts with boner jokes. And, and, yeah. and they're, they're selling it on, I'm like, from the maker of Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> yes, this movie is sex and death yeah. together. Like, it is sex and death put together in a way that people, and it, it's chaos <laughs> that's like right on the edge of our consciousness at all times. I, I think it. the monkey bone character is great. I think the Who Frame Roger Rabbit stuff is be, calling it the stop motion of Who Frame Who Frame Roger Rabbit a stop motion is apt and wonderful and it deserves it. It's real. Those scenes are mm-hmm. amazing. Really, really, really neat. And then everything involves too many humans and people in no costume I'm not a huge fan of. It's just a regular slapstick PG movie, even though like the comedy Mm -hmm. works a little better. There's something about this whole movie that has always left a weird taste in my mouth that is not terribly satisfying. But I will champion it to death because it is one of the most original things I've ever seen. You can't Mm -hmm. really forget it once you Mm. see it. And that you can because there's so much going on in these sequences. They deserve to be slowed down and talked about. And every time I see it, and it's been it's been fucking years, maybe ten years since I've looked at it. It's worth looking at again. It really uh-huh. is. There's a lot of work put into this movie. A lot of art, like good artistic work. Not great writing, but <laughs> but uh, but really great visual uh, touches in this film. Yeah, so much of it just boils down to two much for me where it's like mm-hmm. th- there is some really good stuff in here and yeah. I, it's almost a recommend just to see that it exists yeah. and sarah is not making things up right now <laughs> giant <laughs> robot hands no really yeah no they're giant robots and shit yeah anything you can think of it's like like gremlins too anything you can think of it's shoved in here somehow it, it, it's, it makes like, me just it's too much for me it's a spectacle a hundred percent, and I am always it's here for a spectacle. So weird. It's like it's it's like Tim Burton's protege is dying to make his own Beetlejuice, and yeah. and I think in that they they miss the, they they can't find the tone that Beetlejuice seemed to slide into relatively effortlessly. But I think that's because it was like a much smaller story with a lot less physical comedy. Beetlejuice threads the needle of weird and mainstream perfectly. Yeah, it like really it does. really but Monkey Bone, I do I, I do think it maybe takes it a step too far for people who just want to go see a movie on a Saturday do not, night. Do not call That's, me a normie. I, totally, I was here for this. <laughs> I'm not not calling I'm a, you that. I'm, I'm a monkey kidding. bone caper. <laughs> but 
I do think it deserves a cult following mm -hmm. that it doesn't have. Or maybe I'm not aware of the cult, but you guys let me in. I'm totally into this. <laughs> <laughs> Invite her to that secret monkey bone Facebook group you guys have going on. Uh, I got to know. It. I can't recommend anything more than this this week because it's like shocking this movie exists. Everything else is like dull or sexist. <laughs> Or, but like, mm. and this movie has a lot of that, a lot of that too. But like, they won't do anything like this again. You'll never see another production like this. You will not forget what it looks like. Uh, yeah. You'll forget the story because it's all over the place. In it, mm -hmm. how long is it? Like, it's it's a little less than two hours. I just yeah. feel like there's so much cut from this film. Oi, oi, indeed, oi, indeed. Just no, it's just oi for and me. And it, like, I guess we got to move on. But I, I could talk about Monkey Bone for a fortnight. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, I want to do a whole like, season of podcast about it. <laughs> I, I, I swear. I Time for Monkey Bone Minute. I, I disagree with Sarah <laughs> a, a little bit here, but I've never been close to wanting, closer to wanting to marry you. You giving a movie like this <laughs> a shot and caring about it is, is valiant. I commend it. Trying to drag friends to this movie after they read reviews. And if you read reviews for this, they mm. are sad. Yes. Very, they are very oh. It's a bummer. It's a huge bummer. It's um, a labor of love for sure for the people who made it. Yeah, I, I think they put a lot of care and work into it. Like we see a lot of bad movies right. where the person obviously did not care about the thing they were making. Like this is a great point. The people who made this really cared about what they were this making, and I like I don't think I'm overthinking it. I think you're not. I, 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 had I that think I, I yeah. get this movie. I think, but like, I had that it's written a lot. down it's with a big uh, ass with uh, a sure. um, Andrew Stanton's John Carter, like a guy mm. who makes animation. Like, there's a lot of great things in John Carter. It is a it is a dunderheaded mess, but it's fascinating because you're mm -hmm. watching a guy work outside of the medium he knows very well, and mm. it, and clearly is stumbling from time to time. But it is fascinating, and mm. you can learn a lot from it, especially as an aspiring animator or filmmaker. Both of those films. I, I hope Monkey Bone isn't forgotten. I'm glad it's available to stream because I fucking paid for it. Oh God yeah, that's it. right. It's on HBO. <laughs> uh, HBO Now or mm -hmm. whatever you have for HBO. HBO Max, Sarah. Just say it. They're not sponsors yet. HBO Max. HBO Max. If I called it Library Max, then you'd remember it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I divulged some of the TV stuff earlier with Disney California Adventure Ooh, Special. We've got another movie to talk about that's also... Oh, oh, oh I skipped over... This movie I also owned in a Warner Brothers snap case. Another weird, big weirdy. Weirdy. <laughs> yeah, this this Just the is the opening sequence alone is so 2001 and so weirdy. Weird. A heist movie from a team of Elvis impersonators? Yes. Led by Kurt Russell, Kevin Costner, not so much Courtney Cox, but Christian Slater, David Arquette, Kevin Pollack, Howie Long, and Ice T. 3,000 Miles to Graceland. Ready to play? Always ready to play. How many Elvises does it take to take Las Vegas? Let's do it. Scramble security. Come on! Kurt Russell. Everybody stay cool. Kevin Costner. This could have been easy. Smoke? No, but I do everything else. 3,000 miles to Graceland. Nasty habits. Rated up. <laughs> this Friday. Kurt Russell's already uh, played Elvis before. Yeah, this is true. This movie is terrible, but I love it. Yeah, yeah. right? It's too long. Yeah. That's my biggest criticism I, is way too long. Yeah. Fucking terrible, though. Oh, my God. There's a yeah. lot it's, that can be... It's awful. It's it's a good idea. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's fun. The idea of, like, well, obviously, heist in Vegas, always good. The idea that they're going to do it during an Elvis convention, so it's really hard love to tell it. who did it. 
I'm on great, board into great. that. I'm, I'm on board. It sounds like the tone should be a lot lighter than this is. Like, there's an awful lot of uh, people shooting each other and <laughs> getting ready to kill women and children. And just just brutality mm-hmm. that's just under the surface that's like, does not really fit with the tone in general. Well, but I will say I like Kevin Costner playing a bad guy for once. That's kind of yes. cool. Yeah, totally. I don't know. I really so the notes that I made during this were like, why does this movie make me want to go to Vegas? Like I right. hate Vegas, yeah. <laughs> and yet, but the the heist the heist parts of it where they are knocking off the casino, mm-hmm. I love because the whole it's so well done. That small sliver of the movie, which is pretty long actually, but that part where they are knocking off the casino and like getting the money and trying to escape and da da da, and then going into a massive firefight with like law enforcement is intercut with an Elvis stage show with showgirls. I love that yeah. whole part of it. That part to me is so much fun and like made me want to go to Vegas and made me want to do a heist with some friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, and it heightens the sleaze of Vegas. But I, made I, it looks still like very like glitzy and fun and like campy and, this movie is, there's a lot of camp in here, but it's not self-aware enough for me to actually give it a camp rating, yeah, honestly. exactly. Like it needs That's a little bit more. Should be. Yeah, That's, it needs more. It should be campy comedy mm-hmm. heist as mm-hmm. opposed to trying to be more of like a hard-boiled heist half the time, mm-hmm. and then the other half the time is trying to be funny. And it's like, uh... Yeah, it needs to pick a lane. I am really surprised. I had to double-check the dates. that uh, Come December, we're going to talk about another heist movie in Vegas. And this one was uh, so ill-regarded and there was enough space that no one put the two together. And that's a good thing because the other heist movie is fucking fantastic. Oh, really? I know what you're talking about now. Because they have a bigger team of guys. Like, I don't know, more than 10, fewer than 12. And based on a much worse movie (laughs) than than 3,000 Miles to Graceland. I think it, it would be my duty as a podcaster if I had three wishes. One of them should be I should record a full commentary with Elvis about this movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a bunch of people dressed like you at a U convention um, <laughs> decide... We could only hope. ...to pull a massive heist. Oh, man, yeah. that's not what I wanted. Oh, 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 my. It does... Did any of you use karate? Oh, my. <laughs> like, Courtney Cox is really good in this. I'm really surprised that she did not become more of a mainstream movie star. Well, she was held I down by the choices they... of David Arquette. Um, that's why. Fair. And also, she had a great career, continues to have a great career in television. So she's doing fine. But, like, you know, yeah. it was just kind of weird during this time that we didn't see her a lot in movies besides screen franchise. I but she had time. Yeah. Hmm. There were parts of this that I really liked, but, oh, it's so long. There's yeah. just so much fat to be cut from this. Yes. Most of it from Kevin mm-hmm. Costner's jowls. Uh, teehee. Oh, that's me being catty. Shade. <laughs> yeah, Drag her. I say, girl. I say that rocking a very hefty COVID 19. That's being very <laughs> nice to me in my gut right now. Moving on to television, we told you about Disney um, California Adventure. The Grammys are happening again. Yay. Um, so explain it to me again. No. No. Then <laughs> just kidding. But it's hosted by John Stewart, so that's going to be a little funny at, at the mm, very least. Yeah. I love him hosting these award shows. He has yeah, my Madonna fav- opens the show singing music with Lil Bow Wow. Ooh. It's a fucking great performance. Love. 
But mm. that's not the performance everyone's waiting to hear. Steely Dan. <sighs> it, yes, Steely Dan. Oh my God, they're doing like the they're doing a whole medley off of Gaucho. It's fucking amazing. They are reeling in the years. That's the only one I know. <laughs> no, this has been hyped that Eminem is performing, and they make a big deal of a lot of people saying like, I don't want. Don't let Eminem perform because his music is especially homophobic and there's violence towards women and he's, you know, he's bad news. And a guy I can only describe as a gay superhero decides to come in and validate Eminem. Like he keeps doing this. Elton John comes in and is like, no, I'll perform with him. And that shows that like gay people are cool to him and maybe he won't be mean to gay people. Well, like, one gay well, guy is cool with him. A very I mean, rich one. I, I don't get but it. He's done it, this before, like right. where Elton John, I believe, performed at Rush Limbaugh's wedding. Mm -hmm. R.I.P. P is not standing for what you think it stands for. Ooh, girl. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it was sort of like, well, why? And he's like, I guess I'm showing everyone how cool I am? Question mark. It's like, like he's done. He's, okay. he's done things like this where he has nothing to gain from it. In fact, it yeah. can only hurt him, and he does it anyway. But he's Elton John has been um, a, a huge proponent of pop music I've, I've seen him do it over and over again and this was popular and he i think yep. he found a way to embrace like i don't think exactly what he's saying is homophobic it is sort of the language of the genre right now this was not uncommon in the entire genre that eminem represents and elton john is yeah. saying i'm here and i don't hate this i'm not offended by this and he's not yeah. trying to Where sell like, tickets and like he's not selling he's an album character. and he's not trying yeah, to like he's... boost his own stature yeah. he, he has a reason i don't know what it is it doesn't make sense to me but I have to trust him here. <laughs> but my problem with that is that when things like that happen, mm -hmm. then people just say like, see, Elton John's cool with it. So everyone mm -hmm. should be cool with it. True. This is like, right. you know, like, oh, really? Elton John, a very rich, very protected right. man. Who, who may never have, who, like, to have suffered the slings and arrows of homophobia as much as most other people. had, but like very, like earlier on. With a like, bodyguard. <laughs> yeah, now yeah. he's like, he's in a very protected place. Yeah. Like, okay, like, that's cool for him. I'm I, I'm all about. I'm baffled by it, but I think you'd agree it's with me, Sarah. For people to get along, than not get along. But like, why is the olive branch coming from Elton John? Mm. Like, why is he the one extending the olive branch? Is my question. Mm -hmm. Like, why isn't Rush Limbaugh like performing like a soliloquy at Elton John's wedding? Like, that's the question. <laughs> I, I you think, know, I think you would see Eminem try and atone for that image for the rest of his career. Because mm -hmm. yeah, yes, because he no, like at every think, movie yeah. awards he had the next ten years from now he'll have Bruno put his ball sack in his face and come out as gay in the interview like he what I, I do I do I, yeah. I I do think I don't think other no, rappers I, I, I can't think of many other rappers who would even do that I think he did eventually realize like I was trying too hard to yeah. be edgy and that hurt people seems yeah. to me I could be completely uh, it, wrong but I know I can get you to agree Sarah it was all worth it for that SNL parody of the PS. Stan trying to get a PS5 and then Bowen Yang coming out as Elton John um, to do that Stan parody. <laughs> that is one of the funniest single images I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, okay. I do love Bowen Yang. That so would I'll not have happened without this it. moment. <laughs> and you texted me yeah. when it happened. How hard did you laugh when Bowen Yang played Elton John? Like, it's very, true. It's true. Very hard. <laughs> very. <laughs> I'll allow it. But watch yourself, counselor. Uh, Still, I think my favorite moment out of all of this, though, is they, they finish performing and just because everyone's been so mad about Eminem and everything, he finishes and he does the double bird to the entire audience. Yeah. And Elton John just sort of looks at him and gives him a look like, honey, not now. <laughs> <laughs> 
a look that gay men are born with. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, well, now you've disappointed you've, him. You have you have half ruined the party. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> unbelievable. Mm. This is why we can't go out and do nice things. You know? Yeah. You got to show your ass <laughs> yep. and not in the way that's fun. <laughs> God, I hate to. I, I, let me just tell you right here. I hate the Grammys so much and I hate that we have to talk about them. But they, at this point, they're still re- culturally relevant a little bit and important. Mm. Yeah. And, and this being the year where like young people found out about Steely Dan because like yeah. I didn't <laughs> know who the fuck they were. And I. Well, your dad doesn't love you then. No, mm. he just likes Bob Dylan and Tom Petty more. <laughs> Good we were you. we were a foreigner family. <laughs> oh wow! No, I come I'm I come from a Steely Dan household. I got to listen to Walter Becker and Donald Fagan side projects all the freaking time. <laughs> now, Two Against Nature, which is their like reteaming wins album of the year, and everyone goes what? Because it beat like Midnight Vultures by Beck and Mar- Marshall Mathers LP. <laughs> what? It's like a seriously thing. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Oh, you're. Yeah. I mean, I have very not good feelings towards Eminem in my heart, but even I can say Marshall Mathers LP. Come on. And it was it was an album most people who cared about modern good. music had never heard of and it beat the shit out of them. I remember looking at it like, "Why is this nominated?" and, and someone's like, "Cuz it's probably going to win." Cuz whoever these guys are are probably like it's like Martin Scorsese winning for The Departed. Like maybe this isn't his best movie, but it's about time we award these idiots. And, yep. and there you go. I like uh, twenty years ago when I cared about music, we were baffled. Hey, hey, hey! Speaking yeah. of SNL, Katie Holmes is the host with musical guest Dave Matthews and his band. Um, it is the de- <laughs> the debut of the Lovas sketch. Oh, this is kind of what was one of my favorites. Like I always loved when the Lovas showed up. I hate this, I don't know this more <laughs> now. You do. Uh, Me too. It's, it's, you know it's, this one. it's Will Ferrell and Rachel Dratch in a hot tub making people uncomfortable because I found it funny uh... and now I get older and drunker and it's just like, oh, I've met this couple <laughs> way too many times and I'm... Okay. Uh, you know what? You don't need to be talking about me and Sam I'm like not this. talking about you. His beard <laughs> is nowhere near that big. And your, your uh, transcontinental accents need some work if you want to be like these people. <laughs> But uh, this is a great sketch, and it is pretty notorious for people breaking because it is anything that makes people sit in a hot tub and eat. <laughs> well, I, I do have to say, though, like like most SNL like reoccurring sketches, this one is not like the biggest one. So they're actually not in a hot tub for this. Oh, right. You know, they're in like, the living room. Oh. It es- when you have a reoccurring sketch, as you know, like they escalate, escalate every single time. This one starts out like still pretty like low key. And I watched it, and I was like, I know this couple. Oh, goodness. I've definitely met this couple. <laughs> yeah. At, at, yes, when at our age a, now. When you live in a college town, you meet yeah. this couple. <laughs> Would you like to try some more brandy? Ooh. No one knows brandy like my lover. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good food, fine spirits, new friends. What more could you want, eh, lover? Boy, it's uh, been a really tough winter. I wonder when it's going to end. <laughs> oh, I hope it never ends. Yes. The falling snow, the crisp air, your lover's embrace. Sometimes during the night I become scared and cry out for my lover's touch. <laughs> and I become soothed by the hot breath of my lover's whisper. Uh, do you guys have any big plans for the weekend? Oh, oh I think I know what we're doing this weekend. <laughs> I love this, like... 
this couple and this like series of sketches so much because yes they're disgusting but yes don't we all want to kind of be them and like live their life like they sound like they're always having the best time like they're having (laughs) they're drinking the best spirits and they're like fully connected and making love all the time they're cool don't talk to me i'm a guy I'm jealous, honestly. <laughs> I like new restaurants. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I don't trust people who brag. There, there you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. Something, there's something fishy there. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the 25th, holy Lord. Life with Judy Garland, Me and My Shadows, starring Judy Davis, Hugh Laurie, Victor Garber. Do you know who this is? Like, oh, automatically? Yeah. This is this was very well regarded. Was oh, it? I don't know. Judy about Davis this. is fucking great well, in this. Yeah, yeah. Judy Garland is someone that you can turn into an impersonation very quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ABC, in cooperation with her daughter Lorna Luft, presents the world premiere event. You don't take yourself very seriously, do you? If I did, I would have died a long time ago. From her public triumphs to her private tragedies, the Judy you never knew. <laughs> People expect Mama to be happy all the time. And if I'm not, it gets hard for Mama. And then I get scared. Is this the end of the yellow bridge road? The wife. All my life, I've been the breadwinner. And you're telling me there's nothing. That fucking voice. Holy God. Mm, Right? (laughs) So did y'all see Judy? You you told me it was one of your favorite movies. I loved that. Like, I thought it was a, a for biopics, and mm-hmm. I thought that Renee Zellweger did a great job. I mean, I would love to watch this biopic also because Hollywood chewed her up and spit her out, like Judy Garland. Yeah. Like, a lot of people, like, talk about Marilyn Monroe. None of people talk about Judy Garland, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that movie, even watching this trailer, like, kind of puts me in a rage. Mm. Yeah, this I I saw this before I saw the Renee Zellweger movie, like mm-hmm. by a couple of years. And there was so much of the Renee Zellweger movie. I was kind of like, see it. Yeah, and it's OK. I mean, the performance is better than the movie it's in the mm-hmm. Judy. That's this, what she won. Yeah, that's why she won a freaking Oscar. This I, I thought is much better. I kind of am mm-hmm. bummed that it's a TV movie because you can feel that they're they're pulling back a little bit on mm-hmm. what they can and can't say or show. But Judy Davis is so good, and she never gets the credit she deserves. She is always awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I appreciate what you're saying. When like it's very easy to delve into like a caricature or a, a impression of, and instead like, ooh, her voice rattled me a little there, yelling. That's like that's not an impression at all. That's a that's a woman in pain. Yeah. It looks like you can get it on YouTube in mm-hmm. very poor quality. I think that's where I did. Yeah. yeah. That's such is the case with TV movies, sadly. So unless there's a DVD out there. There is a DVD out there. Released 20, uh, 19 years ago. So re-released nine years ago. So good luck finding it. Uh, me and, yeah. what is it, Life with Judy Garland? Me and my, sh- I thought that was like, I thought the re- the title was referencing like her assistant or some shit. Or right. who is, who, who whose life are we talking about here? Uh, kind of her, Lorna, her, her second daughter. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's Not- Liza and Lorna and I think... Might be partially based on Lorna's book, or mm-hmm. she produced. Uh, she's involved somehow. We have another. We have an interesting notation here for books of twenty years ago. Yeah. And if you were listening to Laser Time uh, uh, last year, we had a worst of Stephen King conversation, and based on well, one of these books, Dreamcatcher. <laughs> uh, Dreamcatcher by Stephen King. Yeah. On the twentieth, Dreamcatcher is published, and y'all not one of his best. So, <laughs> God, I got myself through about a third of this one, and it—if you've seen Dreamcatcher, like that is 
a hefty undertaking. So I'm <sighs> proud of myself that I got that far into it uh, before I finally gave up. I was like, I have other things to read. This is not great. It's like, you know, a group of male friends. They live in Maine, of course. Mm. And He's uh, from Maine? It kind of flashes back and forth between like their adolescence where they befriend a child with Down syndrome and then also like real life where there's an alien invasion happening. But it is no good. Like it's just kind of gobbledygook. It's about an alien invasion. There's a lot of body horror in it, which is pretty disgusting to read. And Stephen King has admitted that this is not his best work. He's not super proud of it. It was written while he was basically high on Oxy the entire time, which mm. once you know that, if you read the book, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, this is what it feels like to have a conversation with someone on Oxy in a way. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you know our like shows, you can remember the, the podcast I recorded on back pills. It's, uh, uh, <laughs> not, it's not some of my best. I just, yeah. I've never understood why they decide to try to make a movie out of this. And yeah. they got so many good actors in it. When I tried to watch the movie and just, I felt my brain leaking out of my ears. Like this is trash and it doesn't make any sense yeah, and a, i yeah. hate it lawrence kasdan with with yeah. oscar winners and it's right. deeply unpleasant and the read is deeply unpleasant these, these and... are the butt aliens right yes <laughs> yeah. yes exactly which yes, kind of makes sense because people who are chronic opioid users which he was at this time do experience chronic oh. constipation mm. so like that is a side effect of chronic opioid use so the obsession with the bowels and how <laughs> the aliens like infect the bowels and how the people who are being what if I could know, shit but only through extraterrestrial forces? I'm sending this. Yeah, to the basically, right now. like that kind of makes a lot of sense there if you're. Ugh. I mean, I, I had to on uh, Oxy. And... It's no good, y'all. I would skip <laughs> it. And you know, I'm kind of new to Stephen King, so the last Stephen King I read before this was The Shining, which is. Gorgeous yeah. and perfect, and also another exploration of addiction. And, and, and for thirty twenty ten fans out there, look at look up that uh, Hollywood Reporter article on Shelley Duvall. I read that twice for some reason. Mm. Oh. Okay. did you see that? Die? Just really mm-hmm. good. I haven't read it yet. Uh, yeah, what she's been doing. What I thought Shelley Duvall was like a household name, but it's like no, you just grew up loving Popeye, The Shining, and Fairy Tale Theater, and that's mm-hmm. pretty much. If you don't like Robert Altman, which I did. She's not in a lot of other things. Like no one cast her in a bunch of shit. And when I was a kid, because of Shiny or um, excuse me, Fairy Tale Theater, mm-hmm. I thought she was the biggest star in the me world. Too. So like I thought I. everyone knew who she was. Hasn't done anything in thirty years, but had her mental illness exploited and lives in, in a remote farm with Madonna's ex-boyfriend. It's a fascinating <laughs> read. Uh, wow. <laughs> well, she's been her partner for much longer. I'm just making it sound more salacious because I okay. used to do that for a living. <laughs> but with that, uh, oh, the video. <laughs> That's what happens to Madonna's ex-boyfriends. They get sent to a farm upstate. They do. What, what, With where, Shelley Duvall? It doesn't sound so you, bad. You tell me what happened to Chips Enough. Where's he at? You don't know. With that, i got to tell you about the games that are out this week. Um, I'll look into more, but I'm not going to sit here and waste your time with Scooby-Doo Game Boy ports which are mostly what's happening this week. Uh, mostly ports and ports and ports. We'll close out with Stan by Eminem and Elton John, as we talked about from the Grammys earlier. But stay right there. There's still a lot of nastiness to go around in 2011. Don't move. My girlfriend's jealous because I talk about you 24-7. But she don't know you like I know you slim. No one does. She don't know what it was like for people like us growing up. you got to call me, man. I'll be the biggest fan you'll ever lose. Sincerely yours, Stan. Yes, we should be together, too. My tears come cold. Wondering why I got out of 
fed at all The morning rain claps up in my window And I can't see it all Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of February 19th through 25th, easy recommendation. A film that was declared the number one best British film of all time by magazine Total Film. It was ranked 16 on the British Film Institute's list of top British films. And before that scares you away, it fucking slaps. It's 1971's Get Carter! Celebrating its 50th anniversary this week. Not the fucking remake with Sylvester Stallone that was so bad that they didn't even bother releasing it in the UK. Because the original Get Carter is so cool. It stars a young-ass Michael Caine, who is very, very upset about how his brother has died. So he is a London gangster, and he goes back up to, like, Newcastle area, which is incredibly grim and boring, but everybody's up up in everyone else's business and he wants to know what the hell happened to my brother and uh take care of his niece who might be his daughter actually but yeah and then he finds out about all kinds of shady goings on in this you know pretty smallish industrial town and he just starts tearing through people like a fucking human buzzsaw and it's so cool <laughs> Uh, it's got really good action. It's got really good performances. The the setting, like, you feel like you're there. Michael Caine, it's so much fun. There's so many people, y'all, that you think of Michael Caine as the guy from, like, Cider House Rules or Batman. And y- you need to see him young and fucking angry with a shotgun. Oh, man. It's just Yeah, Get Carter, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's... It's interesting how, I mean, because it's 1971, so, like, we can show some blood and stuff, and yet somehow, without a lot of blood in it, this movie is brutal. It's, <laughs> this movie's more brutal than you'd expect from a movie that does not have a lot of arterial spray everywhere. It's, he's just that freaking tough. So, yeah, get Carter, absolutely underline it. If you like Tarantino, if you like Guy Ritchie movies... Oh my God, Guy Ritchie steals so much from this movie. So that's it for this week. Stay classy. Coming into 2011 with uh, Wiz Khalifa, Black and Yellow. It is number one this week, February 19th to the 25th in 2011. Welcome. We are 10 years into the future. We have some new music releases, including the self-titled debut of Runner Runner, uh, The King of Limbs by Radiohead, uh, Killing Time by Bayside, Beast by Devil Driver, Truant Wave by uh, Patrick Stump of Fallout Boy, self-titled debut by Alex jo- Al- Al- Alexis Jordan. Alexis Jordan? Who You Are by Jesse J. <laughs> Yay. I like Jesse J. Who you are by Jesse J. Uh, 2011 news. You might remember what week we're talking about just from some of this stuff. An earthquake measuring 6.3 in magnitude strikes uh, Christchurch, Christchurch, New Zealand. Is that how you said it? Christchurch yeah. killing 181 people. That's pretty devastating for an earthquake. A 6.3 hitting Christchurch is not as bad as a 6.3 hitting Haiti. Mm-hmm. Yeah because of their infrastructure. But the fact that, yeah, hitting a major Western city and killing 181 people, that is a lot. 6.3 is a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I uh, didn't realize it's actually kind of a warning 
for a couple of weeks from now. Yeah. Or, we or we now. will have. Remember, we were devastated yeah. by 191 people dying in a day. Oh man, those are the times. That's yeah, a couple so. couple weeks from now, we will have I think the largest one ever recorded. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and and uh, hard pivot to French fashion house uh, Christian Dior suspends its chief designer John. Galliano, am I saying that right? After he is arrested for anti-Semitic rant in a Paris cafe. Mm-hmm. I don't remember this at all. Yeah, well, you know, don't get drunk and yell things about particular groups of people. Especially anywhere that's not the U.S. where they actually do have, like, hate speech laws. <laughs> yeah, why are, they conser- why are they censoring conservative voices? You're- Did you forget yeah. the anti-Semitic part? Right. Uh, yeah. It- yeah, it's one of those things like, oh, I was drunk and angry. And it's mm-hmm. like... No matter how drunk you get, like, you have to have some of that in your head to come out. Yeah, there's, like, a lot of... I've been very many levels of drunk, and Mm. that's never been a level for me. At at, at no point when Sarah and I have been getting absolutely obliterated around each other for 20 years have we ever gone in a race-related rant. It's never (laughs) happened to us. Literally never happened. Never. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, where was he on January sixth? That's what I want yeah. to know. <laughs> <laughs> hanging out with Chris Jericho's wife. That's for the WrestleTime community. Um, and last bit of news, and I I am saddened because like I may not have heard of the previous two because of how much this was overshadowing literally everything in the news. Yep. Uh, yep. After going to the hospital, leaving, and going on a series of weird interviews about winning in Tiger Blood, Two and a Half Men uh, shuts down production for the rest of the season. Speaking of anti-Semitic rants, uh, Charles, <sighs> she- I am shocked he bounced. We were definitely in a different time that he was allowed to continue working after this episode. Yeah, yeah it was so weird. Well, it was weird. I was thinking about this like a couple months ago, actually, after the election, and realizing that for the last four years, if I walked up to a conversation and heard someone say, oh, what has he done now? I knew they were going to be talking about the president. Yeah. But in 2011, <laughs> if I walked up to a conversation just in time to hear, oh, what has he done now? They were talking about Charlie Sheen. Yeah. I, I, I sa- always knew who the he was. I think I, I can say as an expert, these are both tales of Adderall abuse. Seriously. <laughs> they, they both are. Yeah. Especially yeah. Charlie Sheen. I, I know the symptoms of not going to sleep for a little while and mm. thinking that way. And especially, but just like, what was he? Dude, you're on two and a half men. What are you doing? You're, you're lucky the world doesn't know there's other entertainment that exists, that this is the number one show. You're not a great part of this. You've been on better sitcoms than this, this show. You're not important. Mm. You're not good. Everything, everything good Charlie Sheen has done was before Two and a Half Men. I could. I, this is still astounding to see this downward spiral of this human being, and then like well, opening up his life in the way that he did. Yeah, I, I honestly like a. I think it's kind of brave that he did open his life up so much and showed us all like so much of the ugliness of like the addiction and kids, everything man. that he's been through, and but. We were just talking off mic about the Britney Spears documentary mm-hmm. and about how, like, you know, now looking back on the way that someone with obvious mental illness was being treated in the press, this is shades of that again. Right. Like, yeah. I remember during this time thinking, like, fuck, a lot of people are thinking this is really funny, but this is actually, like, very scary. And if yeah. you have if you have any family members who have struggled with addiction, especially to pills, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of that was involved with this. This is very triggering for that kind of person and and, mm. and not a fun like monologue 
joke time but, but and like you're saying that like it was like anybody who could broadcast more charlie sheen would do it and i yeah. think well i think this was like the first time i remember seeing in pop culture where people started to push back against oh my god this person is totally spiraling out of control like mm. let's lean into it and make fun of it this is the first time i really saw people saying like hold on hold on this is like a person who is obviously going through a very bad time maybe we should like rein it in a bit and like let them get some help I did see flavor. I started to see flavors of that, like in the discourse with Charlie Sheen, and I'm hoping we can be better and keep doing going down I, that. Path. I I have nowhere else to mention this. I hope mm-hmm. that when people go through their Xbox One tutorial and there's a tutorial on pinning your favorite apps to a screen, there it is a giant Charlie Sheen reference, like hashtag pinning. Like this is in your tutorial forever. <laughs> what are you doing? The system has to exist for like 10 more years. Ugh. Also, uh, there's like a huge population of people who have no idea what that means. Right. Like <laughs> the, they don't get the joke right. because it's it's a meme. I hope you updated it. I hope it's not. It was in their launch day. But uh, yeah, this was dominating the zeitgeist because it was sort of because fa- unlike Britney Spears, which even at the time I was like, she's asking to be left alone, whereas Charlie yeah. Sheen is inviting people to talk to him. It was fascinating to watch, and I didn't care enough whether he lived or died because, to me, he wasn't a real person that I, I engaged with. I mean, I didn't go out of my way, but it wasn't... We're just getting the social media. It wasn't, it wasn't difficult. It was hard to avoid. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was really hard to avoid. And, yeah, I'm just of the I don't care. Like, tabloid stuff, I just... It just doesn't interest me. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's like, I didn't, I couldn't say that I felt bad for him. I felt like he was, you know, exploiting the attention for more attention, which is just what he wanted to do. And so it's like, well, everyone's sort of playing everyone else right now. And none of this is very interesting to me. Yeah, but there was just nowhere to, there's nowhere for for his line of work. You can roll this attention into something good again. At, at, yeah. at best, he's going to spend the rest of his life playing a version referencing this part of himself, which sucks. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think there is like a way back for him. And like, I do think he's like calmed down over the years. And, you know, he's recently, in the past couple of years, right, announced that he's H- HIV positive. I mean, and like, like a year after this, when he's living with porn stars and his children and spreading yeah. HIV to everybody. Holy Which, shit. by the way, too, so like, you know that I watch a lot of Real Housewives mm-hmm. and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, one of the cast members is Denise Richards. And she talks mm-hmm. about like, what it was like to try to do time sharing with her children with Charlie Sheen. Poor and like, woman. You know, him bringing sex workers to Thanksgiving dinner and being like, hey, I'm here for Thanksgiving. And also, here's my friend who is a sex worker. What up? Aren't I a card? Like, she's, like, <laughs> she's like, come on in. Like, we'll make an extra place at the table. You know, it's just like, it's very much life. You, you know how much, how much of a disaster loud. you have to be to make them one of the most beautiful women in the world feel very normal? Denise Richards should be this angelic being we all worship. Instead, it's someone we all pity for having a deal with Charlie Sheen. Mm. Uh, <laughs> well, if you watch yeah. Real Housewives, now she's um, an angelic being who's with someone who believes like magnets cure cancer. So. Oh, oh boy. I really I was expecting QAnon, so I'm just like, oh, good for him. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to 2011, people. We're talking about Denise Richards and Charlie Sheen in the same breath. <laughs> we got to jump over to the movies, uh, February 19th to the 25th. Uh, the Resident with Hilary Swank, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and Lee Pace. Oh, I was really hoping this was going to be about like a medical student. <laughs> I, I thought it was going to yeah, be about Resident I, Evil. I couldn't find a 
damn trailer because of a TV show called The Resident from around the same time. <laughs> the Resident, I mean, really, she's... We, we're into rental horror again. We just had the roommate not that long ago. And mm. now this is about Hilary Swank renting this apartment. And it turns out uh, landlord Jeffrey Dean Morgan has, like, tunnels behind the walls and can, like, peer at her and is, like, super jealous of her and her ex-boyfriend, Lee Sliver. Pace. And he's... And he's like secretly drugging her and bothering her while she's asleep. And yeah, the dad from Supernatural is Jeffrey Dean Morgan the dad from Supernatural? Yes. No you way. You say this like we're all CW teenagers. <laughs> There's no way we would know that. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I'm from a bunch of other stuff, but not that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's okay. You know, it's better than I expected, but still pretty by the numbers. But you know, it's it's got some decent tension in it, and this. Yeah, better than the roommate was. Let me just say this about Jeffrey Dean Morgan. His TV career is Hall of Fame worthy because he has Mm. been involved with three of the like biggest, most long running TV dramas. Supernatural. He's the dad on Supernatural. He was played Denny in Grey's Anatomy and he's uh, Negan on Walking Walking Dead. Dead? Jesus, that's the one I know. Yes, he's Negan on Walking Dead. That's kind of, and, and all three of those roles are like pivotal, like character changing yeah. roles. So kind of an amazing like TV career this dude has. Right. I love him in Rampage. Yeah. He rocks I, based on the I popular love him <laughs> for every time that I see a movie preview and I think he's Gerard Butler, but actually no. it's just Gerard Butler. He's much, much better. <laughs> Don't you get disappointed when you realize it's really Gerard Butler? Oh, yes, man. all the time. Uh, uh. This Gerard Butler movie has Gerard Butler in it. Fuck. <laughs> I thought it was Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Damn it. Um, this is the movie I feel like I I I'm I, I meant to watch the most this week. Um, you didn't watch this. Oh I told God. you to watch this. I know, Even Sarah watched. This. I. Loved every second of it. <laughs> Says the monkey bone stand, but uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Billy Burke, William Fitchner, Amber Heard, Nikki Cage in Drive Angry. If you look at the movie poster, I love it's the end of 3D, but it also knows that audiences know the difference between conversion and shot in. So it says drive angry shot in 3d <laughs> on like every movie oh, poster. Yeah. Oh, that explains a lot. Okay. Yeah. Oh, shot in 3d. This movie really wants you to know it's in 3d. Yes. Oh damn. Okay. okay. Yes. <laughs> that cult kidnapped my daughter. That baby girl's all I got. I am going to get her back. No matter what happens, I'm with you until the end. We got a fight coming. I am going to kill you. Between now and then, I'm going to mess you up. <laughs> Drive angry, shot in 3D. <laughs> Guess what? In the movie, she doesn't say mess you up. Oh. She does not. Yeah, so they just explained it right there. Nicolas Cage, uh, his daughter was involved in a cult. They murdered her, stole her baby. They're going to sacrifice her baby on the full moon, and he is going to stop them. P.S. He escaped from hell to do this. I <laughs> loved this movie. Like, I watched this movie with a gigantic grin on my face the entire time. Oh. It's so much fun. It's so, it's it's fun, stupid. Yes. Like, yeah, it's not good. I'm not going to pretend it's good, mm-hmm. but it it is fun. And it tries to go balls to the wall like a crank does, mm-hmm. but it's it's not as much 
it's not as crazy as crank or shoot 'em up, but it's trying. And a it's, lot of what it does is it succeeds at. Yeah, I, it's far more enjoyable to me than Crank, honestly, because wow. I, I think that the the story and the main character, because honestly, so Sam came in and out of the room as I was watching this. What? And <laughs> I was, I kind of explained to him, oh, this is, <laughs> this is an episode of Supernatural, except for oh, with the bunch of nudity (laughs) (laughs) but it truly is i mean like they're dealing with like it's there there are supernatural elements to this and the feel is the same i mean like classic cars classic music like rock and roll music i'm sorry y'all i got supernatural on the brain this movie though is a natural progression of that but yeah it's so much fun i really had a great time it is extraordinarily silly the 3d elements are so in your face coming at you that like every time you see one you i just start laughing they're constantly shooting or throwing things at the camera mm-hmm. wow. i mean it made me think of jaws 3d it's like that obvious That's, like jaws 3d yeah, has yeah. a bunch of things that it's like oh well in 3d that probably look cool that looks yeah. really stupid right and, now. and friday the 13th 3d like when like why are they hanging clothes for so long and then i saw it in 3d and like that was really cool uh, but, but but yeah yeah it like so much knife throwing towards yes. the screen Te- te- coin throwing, coin throwing. Technolo- technologically where we have left this i would say third phase of 3d in film mm-hmm. and yeah. uh there are not modern tvs that can even show this uh in 3d you would have to have an old so. television to see this in 3d that's very strange yeah. mm. um it's mm. eight Hey, movie houses, independent movie houses that open up, do a 3D print night, man. That shit, I I go to every one of those because I don't have the luxury of seeing this from home like it was. Oh, yes, you do, actually. You can, I don't. Well, not in 3D. Well, not in 3D. You can watch it on Peacock, Peacock? which I just found out today is a service that you can sign up for For and not pay anything. Yeah, but it's bad. I didn't know that. But there's Um, ads. But the, the movie is unedited, so there's still like a whole bunch of titties, and <laughs> yeah, there is, uh, and yeah, there is a gunfight while Nicolas Cage is fucking his lady. Yes, and they don't they don't stop fucking during the fight. Now I think the one in Shoot 'Em Up is a little better, but this one gets mm. extra credit for having a bunch of stupid 3D stuff and the point where someone hits him with a cattle prod. Yes, and he starts getting off. Yes, <laughs> That's so yes. stupid Hello. that whole scene so is worth the watch alone I miss like, scenes like that oh man uh, yeah this now i'm thinking of crank Woo. demands to be seen like it i loved it i loved every second of it it's just a fucking wild ride grotesque really fun exploration <laughs> of like the idea mm-hmm. of like good and evil and the afterlife and and honestly like i don't know i am nearing my moon sickness and we are in very <laughs> emotional times but like the whole thing with his daughter and everything i was like a little emotional about it like this he's like rescuing his grandbaby from these like occultists who want to sacrifice it i was getting into it i was like very emotional <laughs> about all of that stuff and I, I, yeah. also and, well also william fickner also mm-hmm. william fickner Ooh, I, girl. I would watch a series about william fickner's character <laughs> i love him the accountant and he's <laughs> yeah that's like his job no his he's the accountant and his job is to calmly walk from hell to stop nicholas cage and bring him back and he does this by just very calmly like it follows but in a nice suit well just walk into places asking some questions 
horribly murdering people, well, he's calmly like walking away. He's the Grim Reaper in a way, too, because he's, like, yeah. predicting people's death, so he knows when they're going. Yeah. He's, 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 like, he's like an escort in a way, maybe. He's like, hey, no, you're okay. I'll see you when you're 68. You're going to see in three weeks. Okay. Bye. I love that scene. It's so good. <laughs> Just yeah. calmly walking away. Do, do, do. Yeah. Working for uh, hell. La, la, la. <laughs> I love William Fickner. He's, like, one of my favorite character actors, and this is kind of a perfect role for him. And, yes, I would watch a whole television series about just that character. I also have to shout out my hometown girl, Katie Mixon, who yeah. is a, a waitress in this. And, yeah, she's from Pensacola, and I just love her every time I see her Just pop up. the she's, hottest potentially inbred woman that's ever existed. She's so <laughs> gorgeous yes. and talented. I just really love her so much, and I'm not she just like, saying that. I'm with she's you. like the horniest waitress ever in this. Though. Yeah, she just just walks up to people. Hey, Shug, mm-hmm. you want my number? And it's like he hasn't even gotten coffee yet. Woman, calm down. She and speaks it's like late era Nicolas Cage. The colloquial reference, but she speaks to my uh, Crawfordville fetish. It, yeah. <laughs> well, that's because I think she's probably from Milton. So <laughs> now we're just talking North Florida code. <laughs> uh, and, and and if you heard the Laser Time Best of the Year, uh, uh, the thing I remember most about that is talking with Kevin. Like Nick Nick Cage has pivoted towards like hard genre stuff in his latter day mm. career and horror. And if you have not seen Mandy, Mom and Dad, and one of my favorite movies of last year, Color Out of Space. Kevin had to tell me, like, no, he, he, in that movie, it's a Lovecraftian tale where he transforms into Donald Trump. And, like, <laughs> yes, it is. It is that where he talks like he does in Vampire's Kiss, which he hasn't done in a long time. Oh, you just wanted to go away. That's, <laughs> you need to see. Nick Cage is now, like, for the first time in forever, like, if he's in it, I'll see it. It's, it's look, usually because yeah. it's it's wow. disgusting and horrific. Or he's his recent movie where he's beating up the animatronics and Chuck E. Cheese. Why not? This is this, this is all is, happening right now. This oh. is good deranged. Color like, out of space. Ugh, yeah, can't recommend it enough. But Nick Drive Cage, angry though is also very good deranged. He's where yeah. he belongs. But it's mostly it's the restrained deranged. He's mm-hmm. not reacting mm-hmm. to much, mm-hmm. and that becomes like its own thing, as mm-hmm. opposed to you know like Ghost Rider where he's like really going crazy. Like <laughs> no, he just finds everything really dumb and boring because he has to kill them all as long as he can get to his grandbaby, and oh. everything is just a mild inconvenience. I know. I just love that whole like. <laughs> Part of the story. I don't know. Like, it got me, y'all. It really got me. (laughs) Well, it was an interesting idea that, like, hell is not torture. It's just being shown your loved one suffering. Oh, Mm. God, right? Like, ooh. Oh, wow. That that, ow. (laughs) Yeah, that really gets you, for sure. Yeah. It's like, hey, guess what's happening on Earth right now? That's Mm. right. (laughs) Her husband got shot, and she's very sad about it. You're like, oh, and I'm in hell. That sucks. And mm-hmm. um, you know what? I don't anyway. want to be. I don't want to be too inside baseball here. But we don't always talk about every movie before we get on the mic. But Sarah texted me about the next movie, and I I was driving, and I didn't tell you that. And I'm just sort of like flippant, like meh, um, at a red light. Was this a cry for help? Because like this movie's that. <laughs> like, do I need? Okay, y'all. <laughs> I have watched so many movies for this show. Mm-hmm. This is legitimately the worst most depressing movie i've ever watched (laughs) the next one the next movie we're about to watch like thank you i would watch drive angry like 17 more times and watch the comedy that is the number one at the box (laughs) office i'm so glad it's not just me okay it's so upsetting to me like i got like 
probably two thirds of the way through this. Couldn't finish it, honestly. And it it depressed me so much. Like it is. I just can't. I'm so upset at this movie. I, I read about it after you sent me that text. I'm like, I'm not watching this shit. I would. I want to hear what Sarah and Diana, if you saw it, have to say about this yep. fucking concept. Uh, I'm so angry. It's... I'm so. I'm so. You know what? And I'm disappointed. Mm. <laughs> well, I'm not disappointed. I am perfectly pointed. Owen Wilson, Jason Sudeikis, uh, Hall Pass. It is number one at the number one at the box office this week. <laughs> I got a hall pass. What? The week off from marriage. Seven days of freedom. We're burning daylight. Let me log out. Okay, you log out. I'm gonna try to do the receptionist. No limits. That girl over there is looking at you. Well, it looks like Chief from Cuckoo's Nest. No rules. Hey, what's with the helmet? Oh, chicks dig motorcycles. No game. Do you know how much a polar bear weighs? No, how much? Enough to break the ice. Hi, Fred Searing. Hall pass. But what I got? Where are those? Just some brownies. It's a bit naughty. What kind of soap do you use? Dough? It's so soft. Yeah. February 25th. Why am I laughing at this thing the ladies are about to shit on? So, let me just say this. Hall pass. Simple-ass premise. Okay, go ahead. Okay, fine. It's a simple-ass premise. Like, the idea that the guys get to, you know, have an open relationship for a week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I I like Jason Sudeikis. And I like Owen Wilson. Mm -hmm. And I I like other people in this. Stephen Merchant's in it. Christina Applegate. Christina Applegate. I like Mm -hmm. all of these people. Richard Jenkins, goddammit. Uh... And they managed to take a very simple, dumb concept and make it so, like, offensive. <laughs> okay, so let me just say this, first of all. The idea of the hall pass is basically non-monogamy for normies. Like, just fucking read some Esther Perel and, like, if you need to open your marriage, open your marriage. Let's, like, dispense with this idea of, like, a hall pass or a celebrity, like, cheat list or anything like that. Like, this is old and boring. We don't need to, like, do that If you give me a celebrity anymore. cheat list, I'm going to find a way to make all my neighbors celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> they were on the news once they describing were. a tornado. She, she won a ballerina competition. Look, there she is, front page of the newspaper. Second of okay. all, this all right. is a Fairly Brothers movie. And I yes. have to say, has there ever been a better tribute to the absolutely lowest common denominator mediocrity than the Fairley Brothers? I don't know. They're just there's something the about Mary, Dumb and Dumber. Lowest, there are they are the no, there's something about Mary. And I think that's it. I I'm and hard pressed to think of something else. Movies. I think there's okay. something. I guess people- there's, Some people like Kingpin. There's I'll something about Stuck on You that I also like, and uh, Green uh, Book won an yeah. Oscar. Let's not forget that, people. God Do- damn it. <laughs> oh, so you're a champion of Green Book now. I thought okay. It, 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 okay. it helped me understand black people for the first time. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, there is no better example of like just white dude mediocrity than the Farrelly brothers to me. Like, mm. they don't. I know I'm in the minority on this podcast. Is as far as hating there's something about Mary, I fucking hate that movie. Yep. And everything else that they make, I just, I'm like, this is mediocre at best. And most of the time, it's just lowest common denominator BS. Yeah. This this just pissed me off. I was like, okay. the It's disgusting. The idea of like, <laughs> yeah, let's just open up the marriage for a week is one thing. But then they also don't frame it that way. They frame it as like the wives are giving this to them. And then like they go off and then they, it finally occurs to them like, wait. Do we get a pass too? Because it's set up like, no, they don't. And then when they're right. like, kind of like, oh, we can go party, it's sort of like, oh, 
shocking mm -hmm. they behave so badly that they are rewarded with a hall pass that doesn't make sense at all to me mm -mm. No. Like they are just constantly checking out other women and fucking up and being offensive and gross and so things get so bad that they're like okay fine go fuck around see if i care that doesn't sound like a good relationship now. I mean, you, the idea of these... like, hey, go out there and see if you can score because I bet you can't and, and because you're not a fucking catch anymore. What what book club was this where all the women teamed up together to like... Oh, it's Joy Behar. It's, uh... Yeah, it's her fault. <laughs> it's, really? I... Oh, yeah, she's yeah. in the movie. Uh, yeah, just briefly. Hmm. Just just enough to set up the idea. But huh. it's like, okay, this, uh, there's difference to like, yeah, we'll have an open marriage or even having like a time limit on the open marriage. But it's not like... It should be treated like it's a punishment, but it's also a reward. And a lot of the jokes are about like how bad they are at picking up women now. Yeah, they're I so mean, hapless now. Like two of the most handsome men in Hollywood are completely hapless at picking up women. Like, yeah. Well, Owen Wilson is hapless, and Jason Sudeikis is a monster. Mm -hmm. He is a horrible, horrible creep of a yeah. person. And it, it's like, it takes a lot for me to not like that guy. And this hero is like, this movie better end with him in jail. You got, ladies don't like yes. chloroform jokes? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, the, oh, oh, there are so <laughs> many, it's just like, there's so much wrong with this. And I just hate the idea that this is like put out into the consciousness is like the idea of a hall pass. Like, that's a thing. Actually, no, it's not a thing. Like, if you no. look into conscious non-monogamy or monogamishness which is something <laughs> that dan savage talks about a lot like being monogamish or you know what you do with non-monogamy like fucking read your esther esther peril listen to your savage love like come on people like you have they make non-monogamy sound like a fucking whim and it's not mm. it's very it's a very serious undertaking and it is very upsetting to me that it's treated like a joke in this yeah and movie. that they don't set any sort of rules because no. what happens he he starts they start going after the babysitter of it's course. like no 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 <laughs> one we know has to be a rule that should be established ahead of time Ugh. you know no and then then by the end um they they start going into a kind of a farce thing where it's like someone sneaks into bed and then a, a different person is there than they thought and then but they have sex anyway and then they start what? chasing each other and oh no her husband there's a bit of that at the end and normally i i love that sort of thing but i was so yes. like Remember dead inside the Frasier episode that's like the perfect example of that mm -hmm. yeah. yes thank you yeah i i just was like why i i think i like chuckled twice and no. mostly i was just going like what is this from 1964 <laughs> No, because it's not even that good. It's just garbage. Straight just, hot just, garbage. Just sort of the attitudes were like 1964. I think people were more liberated in 1964 than even this, honestly. Yeah. This is like so repressive and... Uh, and it's just not funny. And, and it's, it's, it's just not funny. That is kind of the biggest offense. Like, how dare you put that tall man that I love from... Stephen Merchant? Yes. How dare you put him in a movie and <laughs> not let him man? be funny? <laughs> yeah. God damn. I'm sorry. So, I was so angry. Uh, the women we're talking wasn't listening. Hall passes are recommend of the week. And um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, yeah, this I, I I I encourage people to check this out if you want to see something that within ten years has become socially irredeemable. Oh, and, I would encourage people to check that out if you want to see something that made both me and Diana have tears of blood come out of our face. 
Oh, with rage. Just, <laughs> no, just so much of the time just shaking my head like, you guys all know better. What are you doing? <laughs> No, they don't. It's the Fairleys. No, they don't. Yeah, <laughs> Look just, at their just, track record. If you're having it's a conversation at, 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 about a hall pass, you're like halfway to a legitimate conversation to keeping your marriage afloat and getting what you want. Anyway, yes! moving moving on moving on to television. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Parks and Recreation. Indianapolis featuring the first appearance by uh, Dennis Feinstein. Yes. I was trying. <laughs> I could not find a great clip, but it. The first appearance of Dennis Feinstein, played by Jason Manzoukas, the Hainong man himself. Mm-hmm. He's just my favorite. One of my favorite people that show up on TV. And I just like to shout him out when he's there. Yes. And, yeah. then, and, then- and I just love that Dennis Feinstein isn't his real name. It's just considered exotic for Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a perfume magnate. Oh, right. Okay. 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 Right, who might hunt people for sport. Yeah. Potentially, <laughs> potentially. And I feel like we haven't been given enough love to 30 Rock. 30 Rock is okay. the show I love. I've watched it all twice at least. Um, so I'm doing a rewatch of 30 Rock right mm-hmm. now, and I love this episode. So TGS Hates Women, it's an episode where they bring on another female writer, and it is a woman who is a very thinly veiled portrayal of Sarah Silverman. And... <laughs> And I just absolutely love the discussion that happens in this show about how how women feel about other women and the way they portray <laughs> themselves. Look, I know it can be hard. Society puts a lot of pressure on us to act a certain way, but TGS is a safe place. So you can drop the sexy baby act and lose the pigtails. But I like my pigtails. My uncle says they're sexy. Enough with the gross jokes and that voice. I want you to talk in your real voice. This is my real voice. And the whole sexy baby thing isn't an act. I'm a very sexy baby. I can't help it if men are attracted to me. Like that homeless guy. He likes what he sees. Okay, that could be for me. It's not. It's for her. (laughs) Terrible. Yeah. Abby, I'm trying to help you. Really? By judging me on my appearance and the way I talk? And what's the difference between me using my sexuality and you using those glasses to look smart? I am smart. I placed out a freshman German. Or Lutz, using that sexy English accent to get me in the sack. No, you didn't. Lutz? Is that even possible? I mean, I was there when he belvedered. God, I'm that desperate for male attention. You know what, Liz? I don't have to explain myself to you. My life is none of your business. Except it is because you represent my show and you represent my gender in this business and you embarrass me. Kiss! Dude, I'm sorry, but this is who I am. Deal with it. Now are we gonna give the gentleman what he asked for or not? (laughs) God, this show's so good. Um. Yeah. So I love this. I love this episode so much, and I love... So Liz is really, like, dealing right now with, like, being between, like, second and third wave feminism. And it's a thing that I see come up again and again, and it's something that still feminists are grappling with, is, like, I want you to express your sexuality, and every woman can be however the woman that they want to be, except for not in that way, which is very Mm -hmm. sexual and very, like, uh, available to men. Yeah, that's a tough call. It's like, uh, you know, uh, feminism says women can be anything they want to be and express their true selves. Like, well, what if your true self is, like, a Playboy playmate? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm a dirty, like, sexy baby. <laughs> I'm yeah. a dirty, sexy baby. Right. <laughs> it's like, but that's your true self, so I shouldn't judge it. But like, that's also the thing they're trying to force the rest of us to be. I don't know. And it's anyway. it's just a really interesting episode too, and I think one that's probably being studied in women's studies courses because 
that woman who plays that character, she delves into her like background and finds out like, oh no, she's the stand-up comedian. She used to not talk like this. She used to just like talk regular. This is actually her real name. And she exposes her. And this woman is like, great. Thank you. I developed this whole persona to escape from an abusive ex, and now I'm in danger. Oh, God. So, like, 30 Rock has had its misses sometimes mm-hmm. with, like, uh, sensitivity issues. And so that this whole storyline, it's just really interesting. <laughs> it just mm. brings up a lot of stuff. I do not know how to turn this into games, but we will talk about these oh, more some of the time. <laughs> uh, De Blob 2 is out. Uh Bulletstorm of I Will Kill Your Dick fame. Uh, we will talk about that with sound <laughs> effects with uh, Diana's husband, Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Parras, and Maddie Allen, as well as Killzone 3, Michael's favorite game. Just kidding. We have a lot of baggage <laughs> with Killzone 3. I can't wait for you to hear about it on patreon.com slash laser time. Di, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at listenernerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast. And teasing next week, oh boy, Val Kilmer's playing a rock star. And and I think we have the first legitimately great film of 2011. And it's animated, and it's Chinatown. For kids. Yes. Wow. Very exciting. I also want to say that if you are an iTunes inclined person and you like what you hear, please go to iTunes and rate us and review us. Uh, the last couple of reviews, like the most recent reviews on iTunes for us on 3010 are pretty old and also kind of weird so if you like <laughs> us and you like what you hear from us maybe go in there and just say a few kind words yeah. and if you don't like us and you don't like what you hear from us what are you doing yeah. like stop listening stop go for listening. a jog like you know and if you don't life. like us i'm giving you a five-star hall pass babe just uh yeah go nuts. you can listen to whatever other podcasts you want to i'm not gonna be mad baby that out of the way who is dead and who lived this week oh this week in 1991, we lost Margot Fontaine, who was 71. She was a famous ballerina. And then in 2001, we lost Stanley Kramer, who was 87. He is a fascinating director uh, where he really liked to make message films like Defiant Ones or Guess Who's Coming to Dinner or On the Beach, but also made Judgment at Nuremberg. And it's a mad, 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 mad world. Okay. Wow. He made it. It's a mad, 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 mad world. Is the- one of the dumbest movies I've ever seen that is just a treasure. It's great. Yes. Uh, it's Wonderful. You will win every Kevin Bacon game ever if you can just remember half the cast of Mad Men. Mad <laughs> what are you doing, you crazy kid? I um okay, but with that out of the way, it's time to see who was born. But birthdays. Oh, birthday is a doodly do, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong do. Alright, so I thought about making him the birthday quiz, and I decided instead we should just honor that February 24th, 2021 would have been Abe Vigoda's 100th birthday. Wow! Fish? Yeah. Fish! <laughs> cool. Yeah, and he had, I looked it up, he had had jokes about him being dead back to 1982, and he wow. made it to 2016 when he was 94. Should we all be so lucky, honestly? But our actual quiz this week, born February 23rd, 1981, turning 40. He's born in Hollywood, Florida, and his dad is a Jewish immigrant from Afghanistan. This should be easy. I had no idea. Uh, he attended Carnegie Mellon University in a class with Leslie Odom and Rory O'Malley. He later based Ryan a character. Gosling. No. 
No, he's not. But he later based a character on Rory O'Malley. Uh, he started on the sitcom Back to You, which was canceled quickly. Became a regular correspondent on The Daily Show, where sometimes he played a sexed-up Ben Franklin. Fuck! I... Oh. Wait, is it Andy Daly? No, no. it's not Andy Daly. You're uh, thinking of The Office. I was. I was. <laughs> I'm trying to win here, Sarah. So, some of the movies of his that we have talked about include 21, The Rocker, and Marmaduke. Brad Wilson? Nope. Fair guess, though. We also talked about Love and Other Drugs and an original Broadway cast that will turn 10 next month. Josh Gad. Josh Gad. Josh Gad. Yeah. It is. Bitch. Happy birthday, Josh Gad. Suck my dick. I know Broadway. I said Josh Gad first. You didn't. You got it at the same time I, I did. I said it first. No, no. no we both said Josh totally at the same bad. time. I totally Nope. Didn't. I didn't say Gad because nope. I couldn't think of it. I'm like, oh, who's that fat dude who runs that great reunion YouTube show? That's right. And, and every yeah. time I lose, it's just because I didn't think of it. That's every time you win, it's just because you came up with it faster. There's it's- no talent in that at all. <laughs> It's ugh. Uh, It's so not fair. If you were in my head and thought about the, co- the interesting ways I was connecting these dots, you would know my thought process is win. So I want to go out with a song because there's been some controversy online about when the 10th anniversary of this song was. It looks like it might have been last week originally, but then it's been re-released a couple times and right. some of those dates get confusing. But we'll just say it was last week. The 10th anniversary of Friday by Rebecca Black. Oh, good for her. Good for her. She came out with a remix because she's all grown up now. And like, it's it's terrible, but Big Frida does a verse. So that was cool. Did she have a like a random black guy driving in a car rapping for one verse? Because that's my favorite part of the whole thing. (laughs) Come on. The fact that she has New Orleans bounce involved with anything she does is very cool I I give her credit for surviving it rich kids who get pop songs made for them I'm not going to cry a river also people should not hate her because why please don't give her other people yes like maybe people who have died this week hate those people yes yeah there's way more deserving people than you know just some kid who wanted to do a fun thing true yeah and then find out who their parents is and taunt them online and maybe leave their children alone those are the billionaires that we should be eating (laughs) don't fuck with their kids not their teenagers they can't they didn't do anything Mm mm-hmm and I, I try and tell people that. Imagine if you turned all your rage at Jaden Smith onto Will Smith. You can't physically do it. You can't <laughs> yell at Will Smith. You want to yell at his kid. Uh, you To be dressed down by Will Smith, you can't imagine it. <laughs> it would hurt you too much. Try it. Do it next core. time. Do it yeah. next time. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Patreon.com slash Laser Time. Take us out, RB. Friday.